0: the show is being recorded let's get started and during the few moments that we have left we want to have just an off-the-cuff
1: chat between you and me us we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand.
0: Now they around, I tell you. Nothing's secret, secret.
2: As devil search for the secrets to immortality, I alter my physical chemistry. The valley of the shadow of death. I exist even when no things are left. Vibrations transcend space and time. Pure at heart because I deal with the mind. That's why I compose these verses. Of our world, my thoughts are now universes. Written on these pages is the age, ageless wisdom of the sages. Ignorance is contagious, so what will you keep focused. There's no hocus pocus. In the end, it's just us. Devil got the killing brother. It's insane going out like Abel and Cain. Wise enough and use your brain. There'll be no limit to the things that you can gain. In positivity, balance it with negativity. Until then. Ain't the devil happy? <laughs> Ain't the devil happy? <laughs> I hate when the devil's happy. So aware we'll wear my hair nappy, naughty, won't go out like John Gotti. We came from the caves to destroy everybody. And we like fools, destroy our own bodies. Too many niggas chillin'. Bad boys boom boom. This leaves no room for the flowers to bloom. Seeds blow in the wind, another drug killin'. What are we accomplishing? Nothing. What's the matter? Why every time I look around, another brain gets splattered. Some pockets get fatter, but it don't matter. The devil's the only one who really gets fatter. Lead ruptures flesh, screens are shattered, dreams are shattered. Another queen without a king. What will our children become without proper guidance? Probably nothing. So ain't the devil happy? In a state of nothingness, hopelessness, lifelessness. If you're in range, I hope you hear this and try to change this because it's disastrous. Who gets the most loop? Who gets bust? Dollar Bill, y'all, is the God we trust. The days blow by like dust. Even men of steel rust. We're out here acting ridiculous when only we can save us, mentally enslave us for little or nothing, kill our neighbors, animalistic, cannibalistic behavior, look to the sky for your savior, he won't save you, he didn't save your forefathers, why bother brothers, you must discover the power of self, know thyself, find thyself, hating thyself, killing thyself. He collects the wealth that you sit back and murder for. Ain't the devil
0: happy?
3: <laughs> hey there, Internet people. It's Bo again. So we have another uh, message I'm going to respond to. Um, and the same thing, I'm going to take out the identifying information in it and just focus on the overall concept in it. Um, Okay, there is a call to action that is coming out in minority communities following the Jefferson shooting. That is the shooting of the woman who was killed in her own home after being shot through the window by a cop. And while I believe in its ideals, I think the reality would have grave consequences. First, to clarify a few things, As they relate to my question, I'm an African-American man, born, raised, and back living again in a rural part of the United States. Um, I have not served in the military or police. There are a lot of uh, organizations that are unfriendly to minority groups in the area. I've been subjected to racially motivated violence, both verbal and physical, throughout most of my teen years. I have since taken it upon myself to seek combat training, both hand-to-hand and with a firearm, and I'm about to embark on a wilderness first responder course (laughs) to better be able to protect and assist myself and others. The call to action that I'm seeing is a callback to the original days of the Black Panther Party in establishing what is essentially a community defense force, giving folks an alternative to 911 to call for non-medical help or protection. I believe in the ideal of localized community defense. And I think that with the technology of today, it would be very straightforward to coordinate nationally, albeit under observation. But of course, we all know the story arc of the Black Panther Party, despite all the good they did. I'd love to know what you think an organization like this or how you think an organization like this would fare in today's world and potentially after November 2020. Okay, so the inherent question in this is... Do I think black people should set up organizations like this? No, I think every community should set up organizations like this, creating that redundant power. With marginalized communities, with minority communities, it becomes that much more important. So, I mean, yeah, this is something I advocate for everybody. I don't necessarily think it it needs to be just... uh, just a particular race or ethnic group i would prefer they be geographically centered at the same time in your situation not everybody in your geographic area is going to think highly of this so i can understand why it would be limited in scope that makes sense um do i think the organization would fare well yeah yeah in today's world i do i think it would be fine i think that i think it can avoid the pitfalls that the Black
0: Panthers fell into. Um,
3: When they came about, they were a very publicly militant organization. You know, the berets, the, the uniforms, all of that. I would avoid that. I would avoid that today. And I would expand far beyond, just like they did, you know, it's community defense. But at the same time, they had a lot of other stuff going on. I think these organizations should do the same thing. These little community networks engage in microloans for small businesses, um, assistance for the needy, mentoring, childcare, I mean, all kinds of stuff, skill development. There's so much that can be done once these networks are in place. And to me, that would be the focus. um, The other side of it, the community defense aspect of it, giving people an alternative to call That makes sense. And it should be part of it, no doubt. But I wouldn't adopt that militant structure that the Black Panthers had. Um, And that's not a criticism of them at the time. You know, when they came about, they didn't have a choice. You know, it's easy to look back and say, well, you know, they were kind of militant and that made them a target. Yeah. And if they weren't militant, they still would have been targets. So that, that doesn't matter. I don't think today that that posture is necessary. I could be wrong, but I don't think it's necessary today. And I think as long as that posture is avoided, you know, you don't adopt military style uniforms or a rank structure that parallels the military, anything like that. I think it would be seen more as a uh, really advanced church group that also has this community defense component rather than a paramilitary organization. And that's where the grave concerns would come in, because the second it gets seen like that, then it's a target for the media. You're the boogeyman and you're out to get everybody. So when you're talking about doing something like this, especially especially when it is going to be benefiting one particular community and there's already a, a storyline that says, oh, they're militant, the first battle is a PR battle. Um, you have to make it clear that that's, you, you're not there to do anything wrong. And from this message, you're not. You're wanting to help people. That's got to be the messaging that goes out. Because if it's not, you do become a target for the media. Law enforcement will start looking at you because they're going to think that, you know what they're going to think. Um, I I think it's a great idea, and I do understand the concerns. They exist. They're real. They're warranted. But I think the pitfalls can be avoided. I really do. And I I know that there are organize, organizers in your community that can put it together. I'm positive of that. You don't need help from the outside, but if you want it, I can assure you there's a whole bunch of people of all skin tones that would be more than willing to help. Um, so... Yes, I think organizations like this are important. Creating that redundant power, creating that, that localized power structure is really important. Um, and I don't think that they'll become a target as long as they win the PR war up front. As long as the first stories that come out about them in the newspaper are about them helping a needy family. Or, uh, you know, setting up a mentoring program for for children or something like that. The PR battle is what's going to be important here. If, if that battle isn't won, then yeah, all of your fears, they're very real. They are very real. Because the U.S. has changed. It's gotten better, but it had not changed that much. Anyway, it's just a thought.
4: Y'all have a good night. Investigation in Florida. A woman killed, and authorities are now examining the couple's Alexa device, their Amazon Echo. Was it listening? Here's ABC's Victor Akendo.
5: Tonight, police in Florida pouring over audio recordings from this couple's Amazon Echo Dot devices as part of a bizarre murder investigation. Detectives hoping to find audio from the night Sylvia Galva was killed by a spear. Her boyfriend, Adam Prespo, now charged with her murder.
6: Ordinarily, I wouldn't want these recordings. You know, I would jump up and down and object because I think it's an invasion of privacy. In this case, I
7: actually am looking forward to the recordings. I think they're going to show the truth.
5: According to the July police report, the couple had been arguing, and as Crespo tried pulling Galva off a bed, she grabbed a wooden spear that was part of the frame. He heard a snap, and the blade had penetrated the victim's chest. Police say Crespo's actions caused Galva's death. Hollandale Beach BD confirms Amazon handed over the devices. The company saying Amazon does not disclose customer information in response to government demands unless we're required to do so to comply with a legally valid and binding order. Amazon adding that audio is not recording unless it hears a key wake word like Alexa. Crespo's attorney says if there are any recordings, they'll only prove his client's innocence. David? All right, Victor Kendo, thank you. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel. If you'd like to get more videos, show highlights, and watch live event coverage, Click on the right over here to subscribe to our channel and don't forget to download the ABC News app for breaking news alerts. Thanks for watching.
4: Welcome, everyone. Dr. Mandela here. My job today is to give you some quick education on supplementation for any kind of neuropathic or neuropathy. Neuropathy is commonly seen with high sugar and diabetes, autoimmune problems, refined carbohydrates, drinking too much alcohol, high cortisol, high stress. The bottom line is whenever there is an excessive amount of inflammation in the body, you're going to affect blood vessels. You're going to affect the circulation that's controlling those nerves. Now your brain runs on electricity. And like electrical wires, your nervous system needs insulation. These nerves are covered by an insulating sheath called myelin that is vital to the normal functioning of our nervous system. So when that myelin, which is insulating or protecting that nerve, becomes inflamed and irritated, this is when we start experiencing tingling, numbness, cramping, weakness. And this neuropathy is more commonly seen in the arms, hands, and fingers, as well as the legs, feet, and toes. So, I'm going to share the most important supplementation that you can be doing to repair your neuropathy. The B vitamins are definitely on top of the list. They support healthy nervous system function. The most common ones are B1, B6, and B12. Although, instead of taking them separately, you might want to look for a good B-complex. Alpha-lipoic acid is definitely up on the list as well. It will also help lower blood sugar levels, improve nerve function, and relieve those uncomfortable symptoms that you're experiencing in your arms or legs. Taking 600 to 1200 milligrams per day in capsule form can be helpful. Acetyl L-carnitine is also helpful for neuropathy. It's an amino acid and antioxidant. It helps raise energy levels, creates healthy nerves, and helps to reduce the pain with those suffering with neuropathy. Common dosage is 500 milligrams twice a day. Magnesium is one of the most important minerals in our body. Magnesium plays a major role in the maintenance of muscle, nerve function, and heart rhythm. It also helps support the immune system. It helps metabolize carbohydrates and plays a very important role in helping type 2 diabetes. Excessive stress, medication, as well as poor diet attribute to this. Common doses are from 350 to 600 milligrams daily. Turmeric is known to be one of the best natural anti-inflammatories. This amazing herb will help excel the healing process. Common dosages are from 1500 to 2000 milligrams daily. Vitamin D deficiency is commonly linked with peripheral neuropathy. Low vitamin D levels play a role mm. in nociceptor generation, which contribute to the development of painful peripheral neuropathy. Vitamin D is required for calcium absorption, which is essential for nerve impulse transportation. Common supplementation is between a thousand and five thousand I use daily. Fish oil, krill oil, or any other way that you can get your omega 3s, this has amazing healing benefits for neuropathy. Omega 3 has one of the finest anti inflammatory effects and it has the ability to repair damaged nerves. It also helps to relieve muscle soreness and pain. Taking one thousand to 3,000 milligrams of omega-3 per day has been helpful for neuropathy. I hope that this video can be helpful for your neuropathy. Please share this with your friends and family. Leave your comments below, and most important, make it a great day.
8: I'm Dr. Most of us want to improve our lives, but for that to happen, we need to adapt certain positive habits. Fundamentally speaking, habits play a key role in our day-to-day lives but not all habits are created equal. Some can have a much bigger impact than others. This is why it's important that we learn to identify these habits and develop them. Charles Duhigg, author of the book The Power of Habit, calls them keystone habits. So, what is a keystone habit? To put it simply, a keystone habit is a single habit that allows for other habits in your life to be sustained. It's not much different from a normal habit, it's just that it has the most potential to transform your entire life. That's because keystone habits spark a chain reaction that can have a domino effect and other habits take hold. And often we're not even consciously trying to form all those other habits, they're just a byproduct of the keystone habit. Let me give you an example. This is Mike. One day he decided that he wanted to make a change in his life. He realized that all he did was work and spend time at home watching TV and playing video games. So Mike decided to pick up a healthy new hobby, which was exercise. He bought a gym membership and made a commitment to train there at least three times per week. Now unbeknown to Mike, his new exercise habit would slowly create other new positive habits. Mike was a regular smoker, but once he started exercising, he found himself smoking less and less. Cigarettes were Mike's way of dealing with the stress at his job, but exercise offered a much better alternative for stress management. Because Mike was worn out after his workouts, his sleep improved. He fell asleep faster and had less awakenings during the night. As a result, his energy throughout the day skyrocketed. He became more productive at work and was even able to land a promotion. Mike even picked up cooking as a new hobby, so he could eat more protein-rich meals to make more progress at the gym. And because he was now cooking most of his meals, he started saving money since he wasn't eating out at expensive restaurants all the time. Mike became a completely new person in the span of 6 months. But he didn't try to make all these changes at first. The only change he committed to was exercising three times per week. It's just that his commitment had a domino effect and he formed other habits as a result. This is the power of keystone habits. Just one change can lead to an avalanche of other changes. And stories like these are not uncommon. There are many people who attribute a single habit change to their life transformation. However, if you take away their keystone habit, all other habits tend to become less stable and sometimes they completely crumble and fall apart. This is why you need to protect the positive keystone habit at any cost. Of course, while there are beneficial keystone habits, we have to know that there are also damaging keystone habits. A positive habit can transform you into a better person, but a negative habit can leave you escalating down towards the bottom. So it's important that you identify any current habits that could be holding you back and make sure you break them. If you manage to break a damaging keystone habit, you'll find that the other bad habits often crumble as well. Now, let me give you a few keystone habits I believe have the most potential to lead you to other good habits. The first keystone you should try to acquire is any habit from the health trinity. What's a health trinity, you might ask? Exercise, diet, and sleep. All these habits are likely to lead you to other good habits, but most importantly, they also tend to build on each other. For example, eating a better diet leads to better sleep. But getting better sleep also leads to fewer urges and more willpower to stick to a diet. You get the idea. You can start wherever you want with the health trinity and slowly you'll end up building the other two health habits. We've seen how Mike improved his life by starting an exercise regime. But I believe improving your sleep first can have an even bigger impact. You might have noticed I make a lot of videos related to sleep on this channel. The reason is because sleep is the most important keystone habit for me personally. It simply improves everything else. I have noticed that whenever I get good sleep, everything becomes easier. I'm more motivated to do things, I have tons of energy, better focus, and more self-control. In turn, this makes doing all my other habits a piece of cake. Practicing the piano? Super easy. Going to the gym? Barely an inconvenience. However, if I don't get my optimal sleep, I can see a noticeable difference. I don't have motivation, my energy is lower, I don't have much willpower, plus everything becomes a chore. That's why I try to get the best sleep possible every single night, because this one habit has the biggest impact on my day. And if you're not optimizing your sleep yet, I highly suggest you try for at least one month. I guarantee you'll see a ton of positive changes in your life. Another good keystone habit is planning and tracking your activities. Planning is self-explanatory. Sitting down for just a few minutes and developing a detailed plan for the day or even the whole week can help you prioritize things better. However, if you don't make any plans, you're more likely to just go through the day with no real direction. So if you want to make any of your habits stick, it's wise to plan them out. Another thing that makes planning so great is how closely it's tied with tracking. Now, it doesn't matter what you track. Perhaps you track your gym progress. Maybe you track your financial situation and where you spend your money. Or you could even log how you spend each hour of your day. The point of tracking things is that we get actual objective data. Often we're not really aware of how much we do or don't do certain things. But having visible data can help us become aware of that. Let me give you an example of how this works. Let's say you start tracking where you spend your money. For one whole month, you log every single purchase you make. Then you look at the data. If you're a smoker, you might realize you smoke way more than you thought. You usually buy a $5 pack of cigarettes here and there, so it doesn't seem like you spend that much money. But once you add all those purchases up, you might find that you actually spend over $100 per month. You see, our brains are not good at tracking everything, and we often forget to include something. In this case, a few packs of cigarettes. That's why logging things is so beneficial. It frees our brain space and it allows us to get an objective look at the things we're doing or not doing. So start tracking your activities and you'll find areas where you've been fooling yourself. And you'll be more likely to improve your situation. The last keystone habit I suggest you adapt is meditation. A lot of people think meditation is a waste of time. Mainly busy people. But after just a few weeks of meditating daily, you can expect benefits like better self-control, longer attention span, less anxiety, and less stress. All of which is perfect for people who are working hard. Let me ask you this question. How often do you stop and take a mental break from your daily life? If you're like most people, not very often. We are constantly occupied with something. Usually we're busy with school or work and when we come home, we stimulate ourselves by watching TV or browsing our phones. Because of this, our brains are working overtime and therefore are exhausted. If you're into fitness, you know that working out is only part of the battle. Another part is resting and allowing your muscles to recover. And it's that recovery that allows muscles to repair themselves and grow stronger. If someone is bench pressing every single day without a break, they are not going to make progress. In fact, they're likely to be lifting less and less weight because their muscles are tired and overworked. That's why taking a break is so important. Meditation gives us that break, but we're not resting our muscles, we are resting our brain. And it's that mental recovery that allows our brain to build more gray matter and improve our brain function. Because of that, meditation makes other habits easier. Now, I urge you to adapt your very own keystone habit. Build one of them and other positive habits are likely to follow. If you don't know how to develop and build habits, check out my video, Mini Habits. It will give you the necessary tools to build and sustain any habit you desire. Improving your lifestyle isn't as difficult as you might have previously thought. You just need to find that one habit and other habits will follow. Thanks for watching. Hopefully you learned something new today
0: and you became better than yesterday.
4: Welcome everyone, Dr. Mandel here. Heart disease is killing millions of people worldwide. And many of these problems can be prevented with good nutrition and diet. Poor cholesterol, high blood pressure, clotting in the arteries as a result of excessive inflammation. These foods that I'm gonna share with you today is going to make a big change in your health And in your future, albacore tuna, eating this a couple times a week will pump up those omega-3 fatty acids, which is important for your heart health. Almonds will reduce overall cholesterol. So eat them in almond butter or sprinkle them over your snacks or salads. Asparagus has folly. Eating asparagus keeps homocysteine levels down, preventing the risk of heart disease and stroke. Avocados. One of the best monounsaturated fats to lower the risk of heart disease and placking in the arteries. Bananas. Bananas are high in potassium and great for regulating blood pressure. Beets have major antioxidant compounds. They are high in nitrates. It will reduce blood pressure and cardiovascular diseases. Black beans are high in protein, fiber, and nutrients, such as folate, and it's a great artery cleaner. Blueberries have a wealth of antioxidants. It has a protective effect on blood vessels. Your heart and your brain will thank you for snacking on them. Broccoli is an excellent cruciferous vegetable. It will lower the risk of many cardiovascular problems. Brown rice is rich in fiber. It helps prevent heart problems in many studies. They contain lignans, which prevent against heart disease, as well as magnesium, which lowers the risk of stroke and heart failure. Chickpeas, also known as garbanzo beans, is an excellent source of both protein and fiber. This will definitely help lower your cholesterol. Cinnamon is like a magic spice. It reduces bad cholesterol while allowing good cholesterol to remain the same. Coffee has major antioxidant effects. As long as you're not overdoing it, this can benefit the cardiovascular system. Edenami is a steamed soybean. These soy proteins help keep cholesterol levels lower. Whole eggs can actually protect your heart. Researchers in China discovered that those who ate at least one egg per day had a lower risk of heart disease and stroke than those who avoided eggs. Flaxseed contains omega-3 fatty acids and fiber. It helps flush out the arteries. And it lowers blood pressure in patients with hypertension. Garlic has one of the best medicinal properties when it comes to reducing blood pressure, lowering cholesterol, and inhibiting the buildup of platelets in the blood, which will reduce stroke and heart attack. Ginger is not only great for nausea, but it's very effective in reducing blood pressure. Grapefruits are rich in vitamin C and potassium. It helps reduce blood pressure as well as protect your heart. Green tea is one of my favorites on the list. It has major antioxidants. It lowers cholesterol and blood pressure. Kale is one of the best superfood rich vegetables. Any vegetable that's deep green like this can do wonders for your heart and arteries. Oatmeal is another food that everyone needs to eat. It helps reduce overall cholesterol and prevents against hypertension. Olive oil, one of the best monounsaturated fats, cleanses the arteries, lowers blood pressure, And keeps your body working healthy. So use it on your vegetables and dressing salads. Oranges are filled with fiber, vitamin C, vitamin A, and potassium, a great immunity booster. It's been linked to a lower incidence of heart disease. Pistachios are one of my favorite nuts. It contains healthy fats. It will help improve the health of lowering cholesterol and your blood pressure. Pomegranates increase the blood flow through the arteries help prevent plaqueing and is a big boost for your heart. Potatoes, when cooked correctly, can do wonders for heart health. It contains potassium, which is an aid for lowering blood pressure to prevent hypertension. They also contain fiber and micronutrients that could help prevent heart problems. Pumpkin seeds also improve your blood pressure and cholesterol. It's filled with healthy fats. Salmon is another great fatty type of fish loaded with omega-3 fatty acids. This is linked to a number of health benefits, which will also reduce your cardiovascular risk. Sardines also contain high levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which help regulate blood pressure and prevent heart disease. This is another great cardiovascular booster. Sesame oil, high in monounsaturated fats along with vitamin E, D, and B complex. Dark leafy greens like spinach is a great source of vitamin K. Vitamin K helps protect your arteries. Sunflower seeds have both monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats, both which are great for your heart and blood vessels. Tomatoes are filled with lycopene. Studies show that people with low levels of lycopene in their blood are more susceptible to a risk of heart attack and stroke. Turmeric or turmeric. Curcumin is the active ingredient that gives us so many health benefits. This is highly beneficial in preventing heart disease. Out of any nut, walnuts have one of the highest amounts of omega 3 fatty acids. Incorporating this in your diet will help prevent heart disease. Yogurt is also known to lower the risk of heart disease and stroke. Because of the fermentation process, this increases the probiotics. In your gut, helping your cardiovascular system. Sweet potatoes carry a low glycemic index, which won't cause a quick spike in your blood sugar. Filled with fiber, vitamin A, and lycopene, which is excellent for your cardiovascular system. Barley is a nutty whole grain in place of rice. This is filled with fiber that will lower cholesterol levels and help lower your blood sugar as well. Cherries are packed with antioxidants. Cherries are excellent in helping protecting your blood vessels. I hope that this video motivates you, gets you excited to make a change for the health of yourself, your loved ones, and your family. I ask you to share this video with your friends and family, leave your comments below, and most important, make it a great day.
9: We talked I'm about Dr. the coming Rally economic Randa. downturn, calling it the greatest depression ever. So what can we do to protect our investments? Joining me today, Gerald Chalente, publisher of The Trans Journal. Gerald, welcome back.
6: Well, Thanks for having me.
9: So lots of ground to cover uh, with you uh, today, Gerald. Let's start uh, with some of the news this week, uh, which will tie into uh, your thoughts about the greatest depression, the Fed uh, lowering rates as markets expected. Uh Do you see this at all all as positive news? Well, it's
6: positive for the equity markets and for the uh, huge debt that corporations are taking in uh, to keep expanding. But on the uh, negative end, it's they're building up more debt into the already over $250 trillion debt bubble. So what it is, I call it monetary methadone. They're just shooting in more money to keep the addicted bull running. It's not... Boosting economies around the world, we're looking at a global slowdown, and the numbers are there. And even people like, you know, the the uh, IMF, the World Bank, one after another, a warning of a recession. Matter of fact, Ray Dalio, the head of the largest hedge fund in the world, Bridgewater Associates. He's following what we've been saying. First, we came out this past June and talked about the beginning of the gold bull run when gold was $1,332 an ounce. And he came out two weeks later and said he was bullish on gold. Remember, this is the, the head of the largest hedge fund in the world. And then just a few weeks ago, he's, now he's worried about a Great Depression. So the people see it, and again, it's just artificially being boosted by central banks injecting more cheap money, lowering interest rates, and now we have the Federal Reserve. What? We're not going to call it quantitative easing. We're going to make up another story. We're pumping in $60 billion a month to buy uh, treasuries. Oh, and by the way, $120 billion a day into the repo market. So, so I
9: have a quote for you here. Uh, Janet Yellen, as you know, former Fed chair, has said that two things cut off an economic expansion: financial imbalances and the Fed. Uh, so do you agree with her that the Fed may be wrong and may actually expedite the coming recession?
6: No. The, what the Fed is doing is they're, they're trying to hold it back by pumping this cheap money in. But it's only temporary. You're seeing housing sales go back up. Mortgage refis go back up because the money is cheap. But the earnings aren't there. The debt levels for the consumers are getting heavier and heavier. So it's artificially propping it up just like it did since the panic of 08. It hasn't filtered back to society. It's only gone to the 1%. And I'm not making that number up. You have three people in the United States Bezos, Buffett, and Gates have more money than half of America's population, and then you go around the world, according to the Oxfam Institute, Mm -hmm. what do they have? 26 people have more dough than half the world's population combined? So no, it's not working. It's only making it worse. So
9: so let's play out this scenario, uh, Gerald, because you have said the next- Recession would be worse than the Great Depression. Um, you know where? You know how are you protecting yourself? And where should investors go as a safe haven? I'm pretty sure you're going to say gold, but you know what else?
6: Well, you know, I can't give financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. But speaking for myself, I call it guns, gold in a getaway plan. You know, gold is number one. And that doesn't mean, you know, one of the things that I learned, took me a lot of years to learn, is that when things collapse, it doesn't collapse everywhere and at every level. And then things, things start coming back. So it, when, when the collapse happens, yeah, it's time to wait and look. But there's 7.5 billion people on the planet. Not everybody's going to go down. So there's going to be opportunities as well. But for me, speaking only for myself, gold is the number one investment. And I've been saying that since I began buying gold in so, 1970. So are you
9: all in gold right now, Gerald? Yes. A physical?
6: Both. Because I have, you know, retirement things I right. put so I put in, you know, IRA, uh, the GLD, ETFs.
9: Okay. How about any other precious metals, silver, platinum, palladium? Yeah, I,
6: I have some silver, but gold is my priority. I, I have two-thirds gold.
9: I also want to get your thoughts on, on what we're seeing on a global scale here, uh, Gerald. We were having a conversation offline before, you know, No shortage of countries here, Ecuador, Chile, Algeria, uh, Lebanon, Colombia. Uh, You know, have you ever seen in your lifetime this many uprisings happening? And what is this signaling?
6: It's signaling that people have had it. Again, the money's gone to the 1%. When people lose everything and have nothing left to lose, they lose it. And they're losing it and and this is part of the greatest depression it's a stage one it's already happened millions of people taking to the street protesting that they don't have enough money to live while they're getting higher taxes costing more for for everyday living so they've had it and very important this is extremely important all of these movements don't have leaders whether it's Hong Kong, whether it's Spain, whether it's Lebanon, what's going on in Iraq with the massive demonstrations, Ecuador, Chile, Bolivia, uh, Colombia, one after another, no leaders because the people feel it. And this is part of the greatest depression. When we say it's going to get worse, you have, when the great depression hit, there were 2 billion people on the planet. We've added 5.5 billion more They're out of work. They're living in poverty, violence all around them, corruption. So this thing is exploding.
9: And and while this is happening, you know, I want to know if you think there's a correlation here. We've seen Bitcoin take off once again. Uh, Do you feel that people are looking or or desperate for other forms of, of currency here, of alternatives to their currency?
6: Absolutely. And there's the people that don't believe in gold or silver or other precious metals, and they're they're going into uh, cryptocurrencies. And again, you're going to start seeing it increase, particularly as economies go down, their currencies weaken, inflation skyrockets. Why wouldn't you want to have an alternative to a digital currency of a state backed by nothing and printed on nothing with huge amounts of debt load on top of you?
9: All right, let's uh, bring it back home here. Gerald, we brought this up the last time when there was talk about the impeachment. Latest news right now, the House just passed a resolution formalizing the impeachment inquiry into President Trump. I know last time you said this is just all a massive waste of time. Have you changed your tune? no it's it's it's, it's a that's a, it's, a, it's a sick joke
6: i mean you know first of all what has he done? You know, I'm no Trump fan. You know, I can't stand what he's doing, you know, in, in his foreign policy with Iran and Venezuela and in a lot of other things. But what did he do? He wanted to find out how dirty was the Biden deal. His little boy Hunter gets 50 grand a month, makes $3 million, and knows nothing about anything about the industry, Burisma Energy, or or the oil business. So, yeah, Trump wants to use it as a leverage to win the presidential reality show. Is this an impeachable offense? How about an impeachable offense starting wars based on lies? Let me tell you something. That's Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction and ties to al-Qaeda. The big issues are ignored. It's the presidential reality show, and it's the dummo craps against the repulsive kins as I see it.
9: I think I'm going to leave viewers with that thought from you, Gerald. Uh, always appreciate your passion and your thoughts. Thank you so much for joining us today.
6: And thank you. And thank you for all that Kidgo does to keep the people ahead of the trends and on top of the news. All right,
9: thank hey. you so
0: much. Hey, get off the phone.
10: Man, Put those shoot. scissors down. You're gonna have to shoot me, nigga. Put those no, scissors down. Saying, no, you're not taking shoot me. You're not
1: taking shoot
0: me.
5: You're
1: gonna
0: have to shoot me. Please make fun on number one. Put those scissors down. Hey, hey put those fucking
10: scissors down. Put those scissors down. You.
0: Put those scissors you.
10: down. Gonna shoot
0: me, nigga. Hey, go back We're over sh- there.
10: We're gonna have to shoot, KLD. Come you gotta have the shooting though. You might tell me, motherfucking decided to the gay. 104 and a quarter, no,
11: 1033 the channel. Give me a speaker bike over here. You got a white female if you have to. You I call You
10: might
5: call Hey, if you come over here, I will kill you. Okay, kill Drop the
11: scissors! Drop the scissors! Shots fired. shots fired, shots fired. White female on the ground. Still got scissors in her hand. Shots fired. Shots fired. Drop the scissors. Drop the scissors. Hey, back up.
0: Everybody back up. Hey, get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Hurry up. Go that way. Go that way. Man, drop the scissors, please. Drop the scissors, man, please. Drop them. Drop them. Drop around. Perfect. Go and get the fire department in route. Hey! Are you religious? Are you
10: religious? Hey! Get off the, the phone! A here. A to all my here. Man, to put me. those scissors down. You're gonna have to shoot me, nigga. Put those scissors down. No, you're not going shooting. You're not gonna shoot me.
1: You're gonna have to shoot me. Now, There really isn't anything
0: radically wrong with being sick or with dying. Who said you're supposed to survive? Who gave you the idea
3: that it's a gas to go on and on and on? And we can't say that it's a good thing for everything to go on living from the very simple demonstration that if we enable everybody to go on living, we overcrowd ourselves,
0: that we're like an unpruned tree.
8: On this channel, we tend to talk a lot about success, but we never really talk about what success actually is. Like many others, I grew up equating success with money, status, fame, and power. And for many years, that was my definition of success, so I pursued just that. But over time, my perception has changed. You see, success is a very personal thing. And you'll understand what I mean after I tell you this story of two brothers. There were two brothers that grew up together, Mike and John. They lived pretty similar, normal, everyday lives. However, after graduating college, they went their separate ways. They both wanted to be successful, but each had a slightly different vision in mind about what that meant. After college, Mike got a high-paying job as an investment banker. He decided this was the best path for him, as it would allow him to reach his version of success, which was money, status, fame, and power. And over the years, Mike actually became one of the best-paid investment bankers. He got a lot of respect for his work and he was semi-famous in the investment community. And since Mike was making a ton of money, it allowed him to get a big fancy house and a nice sports car. You could say that Mike was very successful at what he did. But all this success came with a sacrifice. Mike's work consumed almost 80 hours of his time per week. That meant he didn't have time to go out and socialize, he didn't have time for hobbies, and he couldn't find the time to acquire a loving partner. His job was stressful, as he had to deal with difficult clients every single day. And even when Mike finished his job for the day, he couldn't relax when he got home, but instead was still thinking about work. He simply didn't have the time nor energy to dedicate to anything else but his job. But to reach this success, those were the necessary sacrifices that had to be made. And Mike considered them worth it. John had a different idea about what it meant to be successful. After graduating college, John didn't pursue a high-paying job. Instead, he followed his passion, which was photography. He wasn't making much money, in fact, he was barely getting by, leaving paycheck to paycheck. But while John wasn't rich, nor famous, he had something else in abundance. And that is a lot of free time. Because he worked as a freelancer, he didn't have to work long hours. He could choose how long he worked, and John chose to work no more than 20 hours per week. This allowed him to spend his time on things that actually mattered to him. He had a big circle of friends, and he enjoyed their company. He had a loving girlfriend who went on adventures with him and they regularly talked for hours and they were even planning on starting a family together. And more than anything, John loved to spend his time reading books which widened his worldview. Even though John wasn't famous, didn't have a big house nor a fancy car, he was happy with his job and his life overall. So who do you believe is more successful? Mike? Or John? If you were to ask Mike, he would say that he's more accomplished than his brother. But if you were to ask John the same thing, he would say he's the one who's more successful. Each one of us has a different vision of what success is. To some people, it's making a lot of money or being famous. To others, it's having great relationships or loads of free time. While we might believe that our version of success is the correct one, we need to consider that other people don't share the same vision. Now, if you were to ask me, I would say both Mike and John are successful. Success is setting a goal for yourself and reaching it, no matter what that goal is. That being said, you should never pursue someone else's dream. Just because someone says that being a lawyer and having money is success, it doesn't mean you should pursue it. Your dreams should never be determined by what others think, otherwise you'll live a highly disappointing life. So make sure whatever you're aiming for is for yourself and not for approval of others. You need to define what success is to you personally and then follow that path until you reach your goal. And that is true success.
1: welcome 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 to another episode of real life the radio show i am your host jenna kepra alongside my partner brother
0: Roz. greetings brother Roz. we have a special guest today uh yes <clears throat> excuse me yes we do i will allow you to introduce
1: our man yeah.
11: all right um the guest that we have in this evening, uh, and he should be on the line already, we, we've been texting each other um, a little while ago, but um, he's my older brother. Uh, he's also a, a former radio show host himself of the show known as Tando Radio Show, which is a show that deals with prepping for uh, Black people in terms of just preparing for any sort of emergency, um, and most importantly, the upcoming economic collapse, which we just heard a little bit about. Uh, on one of the clips that were played this evening. And uh, this is a brother who pretty much changed mine and my family's life just in terms of understanding uh, what real money is, understanding what true value is of, of just things in the real world and how precious metal plays the most important role in collapsed societies as far as being able to use it as a medium of exchange um, to get the things that you might need in a situation where the dollar has no value. Um, It's the most reliable and most ancient form of money that there is, I would say. Um, There's very few things older than that. I think the first form of money was the cowrie shell, if I remember correctly, um, which was used from Asia all the way throughout the African continent as a pretty much like the way dollars and well cents, coins are used today, Um, before people started minting coins, but He basically taught me a lot about those things and also how to read the pulse of what's happening globally. Um, And that has a lot to do with precious metals and what happens with those things and how uh, world events are tied into different happenings within the um, economic and and precious metals uh, market. So he's pretty much uh, just one of the most intelligent people I've known um, in my life. Uh, He's super, super sharp. Um, he knows a lot about just how to survive and just information that the average person doesn't have. Um, He knows about weapons. He knows about all that good stuff. He's just um, an all around uh, general as far as just the way he he understands things and functions. And a lot of, I, I haven't known him to talk about something, especially relating to the economy or what's happening around the world and it not be accurate like that's that's just been my entire experience with him i haven't had him once be wrong when he said such and such is going to happen sometimes it might take a lot longer than people who don't understand what he's able to see um for them to see it but he'll say it sometimes years before it happens and then years later exactly what he says is exactly what happens. so this is something i've personally seen in a lot of people who may know him I personally or may have dealt with him, might have had similar experiences because I've heard others talk about it with him as well. So without further ado, I just want to bring in our older brother, uh, Dave, my homie, my big bro. Come on in.
0: Right. Can you hear me?
12: Yes, yes. I hear you.
11: Peace and love. What's good?
12: Peace and love, brother. I don't know who you were talking about. I, I, I don't know <laughs> who in the world you were talking about. I was like, yeah, wh- who is this dude?
11: You better look at man. <laughs> How
12: you doing? What's up, Jenna, Raj, How are y'all, man? Good good to be home. Good to, to just just to hear uh, you all. We haven't talked in a little bit, uh, but, you know, just we, we are always together. You know, we don't always have to be physically you know uh in, in one's presence but we are we are always connected and and I feel that strongly with with you all with you uh and Jenna and and just many many people y'all have become a real close close confidants and friends of uh, of mine and more importantly uh brothers and warriors because that's really who you gentlemen are and, and I think you know that, and I appreciate that uh, immensely, definitely. And so, I just wanted to to come and and to sit with you all uh, and talk about some of the things you, anything that you guys wanted to talk about, or or just you know, as they say, chew the fat, because there's there's some definite things that um, are happening that would be beneficial for folks to know and to you know prepare for it 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 would do them very very good it you know one thing about preparing is that when you prepare correctly everything that you acquire you can always use there's a there is a very bleak and in a very negative side to not being prepared because you possibly could lose everything, your sanity, uh, your health, things that are important to you. So preparing isn't just for some calamity. You should be par- preparing your family and your children to be able to establish a legacy, build things that are important to them. Uh, and to establish prosperity that can be passed on the, you prepare for what it is that you want to accomplish, and that's very, very important for me in explaining how relevant is preparing you know you even if you're going to cook a meal, you need to prepare to cook the meal correctly, so what you guys are doing and the information that you give and It's so important to the people because in today's world, the media group and and the media platforms are the sacred grounds and instruments of those that have created it to subjugate and to enslave and to steal from the general collective population. So those platforms aren't going to make it available for you to come on and talk about your nonsense that's against the establishment and the system. So you have to create things on your own, and that's what you guys have done, and you've done it with a great commitment level that is very admirable. And I really do appreciate you all and look forward to assisting or just being a part of your continuous endeavors. And I really do uh, mean when I say that you all have made a great contribution to my life. Jenna has, and you have, Roz. I, I, uh I remember when I met both of you at different times. Um, I actually met Jenna first, and then later on, once we established a radio show, uh, then I met uh, you, Rod. And I have a history with you both individually and collectively. And that is priceless. That is where real value is. You know, in today's world, the system of schooling and obedience Teaches us the price of everything, but the value of nothing. And you brothers definitely understand the value of things. And I really do appreciate what you do, the sacrifices that you make, because believe me, I know what that entails in preparing a show. and actually trying to get your point across when people misunderstand it or misquote it or, or, or just the overall regular uh, backlash that comes with them. Because you, you all are not talking about what the system has told us is okay for us to engage in, sports, entertainment, clowning, and other things. But the system doesn't want us to think. But they don't mind us thinking as long as that thinking isn't breeding any form of challenge to their overall systematic authority now there's
0: a problem so i appreciate and i commend you brothers for committing and dedicating yourselves to it without
12: expecting or wanting anything other than establishing. a a prosperous legacy that your name is attached to and your energy is attached to. So I definitely wanted to express that with, with you all and say how much you guys really do mean to me. You are more than just friends. You are brothers and you are warriors. And I truly do appreciate
0: who you are? Oh man, Dave! Wow, back at appreciate you, that, man. But it's a—I
1: know that it's a lot of people that's probably, man. They don't—they don't actually realize what that means when you say that to us. But for what they don't know, any time that you pop up, there means there is something going on that all of us need to know, like you said earlier. Ross, do you have that uh article ready?
11: I can pull it up in a second. I'm gonna actually just getting it up on my phone. I didn't get to email it to
0: myself, but I got it. Here. Okay, well, let me pull it up. Man, uh, what you don't know is there is there are things being moved got it. across go the ahead. globe. You... Go ahead, finish what you were saying, and then we'll go into it.
1: Now, I was just going to say there are things that are moving across the globe and whenever my man right here shows up, it means we need to know before it pops off. So I'm, I appreciate you coming, Dave, and kind of giving a a worldwide perspective on this because I think what you're to tell us is going to uh, change a lot of people's thinking. Go ahead if you're ready with the uh, article, Ross. No problem. So
11: the the articles from Times of Israel is entitled, Israeli Embassies Around the World Shut as Diplomats and Military Attachés Strike. Foreign and Defense Ministries Unite in Long-Simmering Dispute with Treasury Over Bid to Retroactively Cut Envoy's Expense Stipends, No Consular Services for Israelis Abroad. All Israeli embassies and consulates around the world shut down early Wednesday as diplomats and military attaches went on strike in a long simmering dispute with the finance ministry over expense stipends paid to envoys. The move, coordinated by the foreign ministry, the defense ministry, and the pistachio uh labor federation came after the treasury reportedly backtracked on previous misunderstandings i mean excuse me previous understandings and said it would force the envoys to pay back thousands of dollars that they have been reimbursed for expenses the closure came into effect at 1 a.m on wednesday morning israeli time quote due to the decision of the israeli ministry of finance to breach understandings that were agreed upon and signed by the director general of the Ministry of Finance on July 21st, 2019, and to apply a one-sided procedure that alters a protocol that has been in place for several decades, we are forced to close the embassy, unquote, said statements posted on various mission websites. Then it says, um, so this is, okay, they have this written again in in, uh, Hebrew. Okay, so, quote, no consular services will be provided and no one will be allowed to enter the embassy or consulate, unquote, the statement said. The closures were likely to harm Israelis traveling abroad and in need of consular assistance for issues like lost passports. For medical emergencies. The Defense Ministry stoppages would harm Israel's defense cooperation with other countries and arms exports. The dispute is over expense stipends paid to Israeli diplomats and defense ministry envoys stationed abroad that are meant to cover a wide array of expenses from hosting events at an ambassador's residence to transport transport costs. The Treasury has been pushing to change the way it reimburses the costs and to tax the stipends, which would significantly hit the diplomats and attaches who have long complained about low salaries. It now also wants to impose the new system retroactively, which would force the envoys to repay thousands of dollars. Quote, Israeli diplomats are committed at all times to strive to enhance Israel's strength and resilience. Unfortunately, the decision of the Ministry of Finance does not leave us any choice but to stake the above mentioned act but to take, excuse me, the above mentioned action since the vital interests of the state of israel have been harmed unquote the statement said quote we hope that the crisis will be resolved as soon as possible unquote israeli diplomats have long complained about low wages and poor working conditions once every few years they enact labor sanctions which are usually followed by a general strike with mixed results in january 2011 the thwarted planned visit to israel by then russian president dmitry medvedev and but otherwise successful, Otherwise, successes have been rare for the foreign ministry's workers' union. Three years later, after weeks of increased labor sanctions, which included the cessation of any contacts with foreign governments and the suspension of all consular services to Israelis abroad, they shut down the ministry's headquarters in Jerusalem and 103 embassies and consulates worldwide for the first time in Israel's history. In November 2014, labor union representatives signed a comprehensive agreement with finance ministry officials to increase pay for Israeli diplomats ostensibly ending the workers union long workers unions long struggle however diplomats say that five years later it still has not been fully implemented beyond pay the ministry itself struggled with massive massive budget cuts in September the foreign ministry announced that it was being forced to freeze most of its diplomatic activities worldwide due to lack of funds the ministry said that the instruction was given by the finance ministry's account accountant general due to the quote grave deficit unquote in his budget activities that were suspended included diplomats overseas work trips the formulation of new diplomatic initiatives and treaties hosting delegations of foreign diplomats and journalists in jerusalem renovations and maintenance at the ministry headquarters and so on over the last 20 years the budgets of all ministries have doubled only that of the foreign ministry has been cut and now stands at a paltry NIS $1.3 billion or $360 million per annum. Israel currently maintains 69 embassies, 23 consulates, and five special missions, including its representative at the United Nations. In May, a report by State Controller Yosef Shapira found that some Israeli ambassadors and their staff were living in uninhabitable conditions while on posts abroad. Shapira's report said that many of the 250 or so properties and staff residences under the foreign ministry's charge were in a dilapidated state. And that ends the article right there.
0: Now, Roz and and Jenna, I don't buy that story one bit at all.
12: Uh, It's a very important story. Think about it. Israel is closing all of its embassies and giving up its position of advantage globally. And let me just lay why I think it's a tell. And what is it telling? in my opinion. I very well very well could be wrong, but you just don't close all of your embassies around the world. Never been done before, and there's a reason why it's being done, in my opinion, now. One, embassies are hubs for countries to be able to retrieve their economic duties or their economic payments all over the world. So it represents how many diplomatic and, and particularly financial diplomatic uh, treaties and, and agreements are enforced, paid, and accounted for. That's one. Two, I don't know if anyone has been in the military But the military can't strike. Never heard of a military striking anywhere in the world that was in a so-called nuclear-capable country. And though Israel has not admitted to having nukes, they've definitely had nukes, and they do have them. Another thing that's very important in this whole thing is that Israel is one of the few countries that every person of age has to serve in the military. Why? Because of their low population, everyone has to be willing to give their life for the overall well uh, for the well-being of the country. And and striking and causing all the embassies to close would go against their overall. Commitment and mantra. And like I said before, militaries can't strike. Okay. But another very critical thing is that Israel is very, very prominent in the clandestine and intelligence gathering community around the world. Some would say that they have one of the most powerful or the most powerful intelligence community in the world because they are able to influence their will because of that. And embassies are very, very strategically important to that overall mission. And one of the critical things about an embassy is that the ambassador and those that work at the embassy, they always see highly sensitive material. So they have to get a clearance A top-secret clearance, or depending on what their overall uh, duty descriptions are at an embassy, they have to get a clearance to work there to prove themselves that they would be capable of handling such sensitive types of material. And they come across this material daily. And that's very important because what I think that this is a tell, because one thing you don't do, you don't underpay your, and if you look at the article, they said the payments that that will be given to them will be retroactive, and it will be a couple of hundred thousand dollars. So let's think about that for a minute. You got 69 embassies that probably staff anywhere between probably a thousand people, maybe. Let's just say it is possibly more, possibly less. But if you think about that, they talk about they would have to back pay them hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's not even a million dollars. Not even a million dollars. So these people would strike for less than basically $500, $600. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make fiscal sense because do you think Israel has the funding And the the, the ability to pay their highly sensitive staff at embassies, I would say yes. And also, one of the things is you never want to put people that have top secret clearances in financial jeopardy because of this. They can sell those secrets on the black market
0: for millions. So it doesn't make sense. And another thing that's possibly
12: coincidental but has great relevance, what I mean by what I just said was this week is the anniversary, the 40th anniversary of when the embassy in Iran, in Tehran, was taken over by the students. And there was a detachment of Marines that were there. And the Marines' jobs that are on embassy's duty is to protect the overall embassy and the personnel, but more importantly, to protect the sensitive material that's there. At the time of the takeover of the embassy, the detachment of Marines that was there, their duty was to burn and destroy the sensitive material. And the Iranian students that stormed the overall embassy was able to retrieve a lot of sensitive material that was at the embassy. Every embassy has a lot of sensitive material. Remember when they killed Khashoggi, they took him to
0: the Saudi Arabian embassy to do it. And back to
12: Iran, when they took over that embassy, one of the things that's very critical, and this is a tell to me, is that what Israel is possibly doing is they're trying to create a story to close their embassies and not sound an alarm and they would be able to do it in a ace in a in a quiet, low key way that that everyone won't take a look at what's going on. They're trying to move all of their individuals that have access to sensitive material because one of the things that's very important is that though the hard drives, the paperwork, all of that can be destroyed, but the personnel that reads that is a liability. So if there was an incident that happened and it was very if a large uh, a large scale incident happened, and the Israeli embassies were jeopardized, this would be the overall consideration. How are we going to get those sensitive individual people not to be captured like those those individuals were in Iran? Because you can burn or destroy the hard drives, but if you torture the people that read it, guess what they're going to do? They're going to tell what they know. So I'm saying that this is a very important tell that Israel knows that something is going to happen either by way that they're going to initiate it or their intelligence tells them something is going to happen. And they took a proactive stand to get all of their sensitive individuals back in country under their control. And they probably schemed this and, and had the whole schematic put together Years in advance, they don't just plan one and two weeks in advance. they have to plan and they do plan years in advance and you can see some of the planning by the events that unfold. This is highly unusual. this doesn't happen. I don't buy the story and to corroborate and validate this Iran just this week and today the iranian president today said they are going to start to enrich uranium at one of their most productive facilities outside of tehran the very facility that israel and the u.s in the agreement that they had with with iran that the u.s broke in may Wanted them to, was one of the highest priorities to get Iran to stop being able to produce uranium, weapons grade uranium. So once the U.S. broke the treaty and broke the deal, what did Iran do? And then they invoked sanctions against Iran. Iran started to say, okay, we're going to play hardball. In my opinion, Iran already has
0: nukes and they should. It just, to me it It is something that should happen if other countries have nukes, then
12: you should too. Why is it that israel and i in the in the u s don't want Iran to have nukes because you can bully somebody when they don't have a stick. You can
0: sanction them
12: you can get them to to uh, be a part of an un, 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 un uneven deal, an unevenly yoked deal, you can manipulate them to your advantage. I generally don't see bullies trying to fight someone that can defend themselves or actually beat them. They always try to pick on someone that they can actually
0: physically handle. This is common knowledge. So the tell that I'm seeing, based off of what the
12: Iranian president said today, and this was just last week that Israel did this at the spur of the moment, but the day before this article came out, there was an article that was in the Jerusalem Post that said Israel has started to receive intelligence at their embassies
0: of a major military threat from Iran. So, uh uh-oh,
12: that came out the day before. The next day, they closed all of their embassies around the world. That should tell the everyday people That should tell you and I that something is brewing. It's either going to be something that, uh, well, I would say who's going to start it is really insignificant because every war, 99% of the casualties of war are innocent people that had nothing to do with the decision to go to war had no no beef with the individuals. So it's, to me, it's a sad state when someone can pick a fight and have you bleed. (laughs) When someone can decide that you're going to give your life for the
0: benefit of them. We have to really change our overall standing. We have to really change our overall participation in
12: everything that affects us globally. Because if we continue to allow the present agenda, in the status quo to continue to happen, we will continue to be in the same position that we're in now, but it will only get progressively worse. It's not going to get better for the generations
0: that will come after us. It's going to get pro- progressively worse. So I really wanted to and I'm going I'm to say, you know,
12: Roz and Jenna, you know uh, that we started on the radio and we talked a lot about these things. And these are going to be some of my last, you know, interviews because the events that are happening and it's just really time for me to, to quiet
0: and to better prepare myself and and i say that because
12: and i and i say that only because each one of us has an individual journey and in that journey we have a choice as to who we are going to
0: be based off of the abilities that we have And I do think that we are going to go through some very trying times.
12: But these times are manufactured, and that means that they can be repaired by the collective decisions in the collective movement of people if they will only think
0: for themselves and really require and really desire The ethical treatment of oneself. And if you
12: think of oneself, your oneself involves the whole environment around you as a universe. And you should want, and I know for me it's important, but everyone is different. For me, I want my universe
0: to be as benevolent as possible. Because if we can continue to do what we've been schooled to participate in, the
12: same results will happen. There is nothing new about the New World Order, nothing new about those things. Those are all retreaded things. It's just new to us because this may be our first time or this is the moment that we're in this physical environment right now,
0: but it's not new. And I looked at some of the moves that are happening globally. And for me, it's a tell that there are some major things that are on the horizon.
12: I definitely hope that I'm wrong, but, and I say this and I I want to, please don't take me, I don't mind if it isn't, because one thing that I've come to realize and I've noticed is that People don't really make the necessary changes until they actually are faced with losing everything, until they absolutely have to. I I would only hope that in the future, it's not because we have to, it's because we want to and we won't put up with anything less than.
0: So when I look at, the two sides of what's happening, and I
12: anticipate that Iran is going to start up their enrichment process tomorrow, which is, I believe, is right now today,
0: today there on Wednesday. So, I wouldn't be surprised within the near future if the U.S. and Israel doesn't attack Iran directly through military engagement. Now, why I say that is because of this. The Israeli military and its
12: decision makers, and the U.S. military and its decision makers have already decided that they will, in my opinion, that they will try to use military
0: force to keep Iran under their control. And I don't think it's going to work. And when it doesn't work, it's going to springboard into unexpected events. You know, Rise and and Jenna, Mike Tyson said that everyone
12: has a tactical plan, but it goes back to actually a military general said this, and and Mike Tyson just uh, rephrased it for the boxing arena. Mike Tyson said, everyone has a a tactical plan until they get punched. Yep. Everyone has a plan to win a fight until they get punched.
0: The military general
12: said, everyone has a tactical plan until they meet the enemy. And one of the things that I do anticipate is that the battlefield of today is not going to be the antiquated battlefield of the past, and I mean the past of just
0: the
12: as recent to the the military engagement in Afghanistan, in Syria now, in in. Different parts of the world are are the former major military conflicts that the U.S. was involved in, and there's been countless because it's never ended since the inception of the Corporation of the United States. But what's going to be different now is that the rest of the world can,
0: and countries can, by, by design, can defend themselves. And I definitely
12: anticipate that when they do military attack
0: Iran, there will be a a significant response
12: by Iran, or it will be blamed on Iran, and others will do it,
0: and that overall response will be in the cyberspace arena. It is the poor, it's the poor country's nuclear
12: weapon. But I also do think that they have nuclear armaments, which I think that they really should have. It's in their best interest to have it. It's actually in you and I's best interest that they have it, because maybe that can prevent. The overall imperialistic U.S. military and, and those that push that overall agenda to slow down into into
0: come back to reality, but I don't think that that's going to happen. Now, but <clears throat> uh, Dave, I have I know you have
1: so much to tell us, but I have a few targeted questions and we have sure. a brother uh Scotty here. Greeting Scotty. I would love to pose this question to both of you because that's on a, a military side that will spill off and kinda mess with the air because we're talking about nukes. But at the same time you have uh China finna release their holdings as far as go with these cryptocurrencies and they already been into the Currency war. Baron Allen talk while well, he was talking about the war of people, uh them having a war on us, like in cyberspace and what have you. Same thing with the uh with the laws. I wanna know what, if you seen the uh interview, excuse me, Baron Allen when he was talking about uh Civil Rights Act, the original one, and how that's gonna play uh play a part in keeping us erasing our rights while all of this stuff is going on. What, what do you two think about that? I would love to hear your thoughts.
12: Scotty. I, I, I actually, I, 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 I want to say something after Scotty, if, if Scotty's there, I want to definitely, uh, yield to, to, to Scotty. I, I definitely, uh, wanted to, to say something about Scotty as, as, as well. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna yield to to Scotty and then um I'll I'll come in after uh, Scotty does.
0: Well
1: let me open. I don't know if you want to uh be unmuted, Scotty, but
13: what's up Dave? What's up fellas?
1: Great Scotty.
13: <laughs> um actually I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> About twenty minutes ago when I called into the program because uh, I was real tired today and uh so I had to take a little nap, you know. I'm 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 at the ripe old age of fifty three, uh this year. I mean it's so you know, that's old right now. I'm just joking. Well, uh, but I do need to start taking more naps though. Um uh, <laughs> Listen, I just tuned in, man, I didn't even know that was Dave that was speaking. I thought y'all was playing a video clip or 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 something. Um, I the only thing I can speak on um because of what I heard um is that 1866 Civil Rights Act. And you know, I've been I've been looking at what um Byron Allen's fighting for um i think he's doing a lot of exaggerating to get black folks in their emotions about something um let's 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 look at what he's really fighting for right so what he's fighting for is to build his own black network or or cable company or something no he's not he's he's fighting for integration he wants to integrate and not that i'm against integration but that's what he's really fighting for is he wants to integrate his comedy programming um his entertainment programming we're not talking like any kind of black empowerment programming or anything like that you know i looked up all of the different shows that he has produced you got like car tv you got uh Who Wants to Date a Comic or something like this is all entertainment, right? Um, yeah, he got the weather channel. Okay, but this ain't black empowerment radio or black empowerment television that he's talking about. He just he wants to force Comcast to take his programming. Comcast saying they don't wanna take his programming because they already got some African American programming or black programming and they don't think his is it's, um well, really, they're not even saying that. They're just saying that they don't like the quality of his programming. Um, he got some, what they call them, judge shows and stuff. Is one sh- judge show with a white woman judge, another one with the black dude um, judge. And um, matter of fact, I think some of his stuff might be on at and because that's the only cable company around here, and we have cable. And it seemed like I saw saw some of that. So that's what he's asking, Com- that's what he's trying to force Comcast to do is take some of his programming. Now, he's saying they don't want to take his programming because he's black. So I'm like, is there a smoking gun memo where they say uh, we're not going to do business with him because he's black because they doing business with a black owned company uh, founded and the and CEO. And one of the other CEOs is Indian, but the main dude is black. He may be African. I didn't look up his, his um background that deep but it's called afrotainment that's the name of his company the other one is um they didn't rename it it's cat y'all everybody well not everybody but kathy hughes giant in the in radio right then she started tv one um and had had something called radio one um you know kathy hughes black woman been around a long time man probably um probably own more radio stations than any black person at any time, you know, in our history, in, in U S history. So she, they carrying one of her channels that she created. So it's not a matter of, they don't want black programming. It's they don't want his programming. Now he's saying that they told him that, well, we having capacity issues that meaning that we're not taking new programming right now. And, from this article that Sister had wrote, she was saying that, but they were taking programming. They were taking programming from predominantly white companies. But then when you look again, when you look at these media conglomerates, it's only six big media companies that own everything. You know, that control, Comcast is just one of them. Then you got Disney, Um, you know, then you got a couple of others, but it's six media companies. Byron Allen's an investor in some of those other companies, and I don't know if you could really call them white-owned, you know what I'm saying? Because they, because anybody can own stock in them, and I'm sure right. they got some rich people like Byron Allen is invested. I think he's invested in Disney, and he's he working with Disney. You know, Disney, they, they control, well, everybody knows about Disney films and stuff, and they bought Pixar um, A couple of other movie production companies, but they own ESPN now. Uh, That's, of course, ABC News. That's all Disney. So it's only six corporations. And I don't know if we can really call them white-owned versus black-owned anymore, you know, because anybody can buy stock. I don't know what their boards look like. Uh, What's the one Viacom, which bought BET and gave Bob Johnson a seat on, on on the board? So we could say they probably predominantly white on, you know, versus predominantly black on, on. So he's saying that they, when he was trying to get them to take some of his, uh, I think it was the TV show or something. I mean, excuse me, car TV or whatever channel it was. He was saying that they was taking on white channels and while they was telling him that it was no capacity. Now, if that's true, then yeah, he, he they discriminated against him, it, you know, but it's going, to me, it's going to be hard to prove that um, he, I heard that he won in one of the lower courts, but all the other courts ruled against him and thus why has been appealed all the way to the Supreme Court. So it's a lot of confusion there. It's not a lot of facts. I would need to see. see. And when I say not a lot of facts, I mean out in the public realm. I would have to look at the actual court documents to see what evidence. So I'm just reading what some reporters have written, written about it. And the, the most objective one, free of emotion and feelings, was written by this black woman. Um, that I had shared the other day, cause I what nobody giving me no 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 uh, real information. Like, what's the evidence he presented? Don't tell me about oh we are about to lose our civil rights and we about to go back to 1865. I'm like, dude, we already in 1865. If you look at the slavery, what you talking about? Right. You know. Right, right, Scotty. We, yes. we, it, we it's going on right now. So what are you talking about? Just look. If he's, if, for example, take the 1964 Civil rights, rights Act, which has to do more with with employment law and then, you know, other civil rights. But let's look at it in employment because most people use that to sue their employer for discrimination and not this. see the 1866 has to do with business contracts mostly. And it basically saying it was written specifically for, for former victims of slavery and saying that they had to be treated just like a white man in, in areas of business contract. It literally says that, that you have to treat them like a white person. You know what I'm saying? It literally says that. Okay. But if it had any force and power behind it, it would have never been no Jim Crow, now would it? It was Jim Crow wouldn't have happened, right? See, see, you right. can put a law on the but if you can't enforce it, it might as well not even be there. You know, but looking at the 1964 Civil Rights Act, I sued a company under the 1964 uh, – well, I didn't actually sue them. I filed a complaint at the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission, uh, the EEOC. So what had happened was I had not long gotten out of the military. And i was taking any job i could find jobs was kind of scarce you know i couldn't find a job with with Bell or any other telephone companies you know because that's what i was do- doing in communications in the military so i got a family i got two small children i got a wife i gotta i gotta i gotta have a job you know what i'm saying so my cousin got me a job at this little uh um uh cotton place you know that make cotton and stuff like that but what i was doing was working on loading trucks with these big old cotton rolls that probably weigh about 50 pounds each and we had to load those trucks i was the only black guy in that department loading those trucks with with those cloths um i you know i get along with just about anybody you know ask me quite i talk to you i'm a friendly person so them guys them white guys took took a liking to me you know um and and so anyway It was like a seasonal job and then around christmas to january no december to january you were out of work for those two months you know it was a seasonal layoff type thing so then january come around february come around they call all the white boys back but they don't call me back you know they don't know if i had found another job or not which i had not and so one of the white boys who used to come play basketball um, you know, at the gym where I played at, he was like, man, we back at work. Where you at, man? Where you at? I was like, ain't nobody called me. And he was like, dang, man, that ain't right. Everybody's back at work now. So I went to the EEOC and filed a complaint. They said, "I, I you know, that they discriminated against me based on the 64 Civil Rights Act. Now, if I lost that case, that doesn't mean that the 1964 Civil Rights Act will have been invalidated. Granted, I never went to court. I never took them to court. I settled out of court before going, you know, it didn't go that far. But there's plenty of people who have sued under the 64 Civil Rights Act, employment disc- discrimination, and did not win. That doesn't mean that the law is being invalidated. It just means you didn't prove your case based on the opinion of the person who's looking at the evidence doesn't mean you didn't have a evidence but we live in a system with racist people so you really have evidence and then you know this person might be racist. They gonna they just going to ignore the evidence you know what i'm saying anything's possible but it doesn't invalidate the law so i don't know what he meant when he was on the breakfast club talking about uh um taking us back to 1865 the you know that date is significant to me is because it's the year that they did not abolish slavery, but told everybody they did. And they just put an exception clause in the 13th Amendment and said, if we convict you of a crime, I'm paraphrasing, if we convict you of a crime, we gonna throw a bunch of laws on the books and then during the the, the Jim Crow era, we just gonna target black folks, like no loitering, no five black folks standing on the corner, no black folks, oh, you gotta get off the sidewalk when a white person comes, and then just start targeting black people with these laws. And and put them back into what? In the slavery. They put them in the prison, then hired them out from the prison to the mine, working in the dangerous mines, uh, working on the railroad, laying them railroad tracks across the country, uh, even going back to the plantation and what have you. And that's what we have today. So I don't know what he means. See, people be trying to get you in your emotions and thinking with your, where you're not thinking logically, and you'd be like, oh, my God, we're going to go back to 1865. What does that mean? What do you mean by that? So if they, if he lose his case, then that just simply means he lost his case. That don't mean that the law is going to go away. I can still make a contract with, let me see, what white company do I have? I have a contract with, with Blah Talk Radio right now, but my contract is that, I'm glad I, I remember that. Do y'all not remember when I got when Black Talk Radio got kicked off of Blog Talk? Cause our yeah. name was Black. Okay. Yeah. Now that was one manager there. His name was John Sweet, and he was a he was an asshole. Okay, and he is a suspected racist. So he's gonna call me up one day. Hey, Scotty, what's going on with Black Talk Radio? Why is your website red, black, and green? This is real comedy. This dude called me at my house. Okay, on Black Talk Radio, it wasn't just me. I had I had recruited other Black hosts to do programming on different days, right? So, um, he, then he was like, well, we're going to suspend you, and didn't really give me a good re- reason for like seven days or something like that. So, we are very popular program on there. So, all the listeners were like, oh, that's wrong. What are y'all doing? And so, he was like, oh, okay, we're going to restore the account after three days, right? So anyway, anyway, I could have sued them. I could have went the route, you know, let's say that they had put a berm, a permanent ban on me. I could have went the route and, and sued them, but I did, but, you know, I, it didn't come to that. But what what I did do was when I first got banned, I was like, this don't feel good. I feel sick to my stomach. This man then took my voice away from me. He then took our voice away from us. I, I mean, I literally was feeling sick stomach i was like okay scotty this is what you got to do you got to do some research and you got to develop your own technology to to do that so that nobody can ever take our voice away so that's how black talk radio network came to be so now i'm in a position of self-empowerment right i've self-empowered myself i didn't go to some other platform or, or what have you i built a platform for us so then, guess who reaches out to me and be like, hey, we, we charge people now, but you was one of the first ones on Blog Talk Radio, your account, Black Talk Radio, you know, back in 2008. How about we distribute your content for free and you don't even have to pay us, okay? So I'm in a contract with them right now, so a buyer Island loses and he's trying to do something similar he's trying to get Comcast to distribute his content like Blog Talk Radio distributes our content. We distribute our own, but they distribute it for us too. You know, iTunes distributed for us, uh, Stitcher distributed for us. So if he loses his case, that doesn't mean I'm gonna lose all the, the ability to do business with other companies, whether be they white on or, or be they black on. So, so I just need to wait Until the case, because I don't, let me put it this way, this is based off of what I know. I may not have all the evidence because all the evidence ain't out there. So that's, you know, I hope I didn't confuse anyone, but I don't think we in danger of being, you know, all thrown thrown in the prison anymore than we already being thrown in the prison. So I don't know what he means by that. But uh, also, since he's saying, you know, he's trying to do business with a predominantly white-owned company, I was being sarcastic, and but not really, but being, you know, saying it in a joking manner. For all those people that say the Civil Rights uh uh bill destroyed all these prosperous black businesses, you should be rooting against Byron Allen. You should hope that what he says comes true. So black people be forced to build their own stuff and only do business with each other. So we can back, go back to this golden right, era right. that some people believe was going on during Jim Crow. So I'll I leave it at that. I, I need more information is what I'm saying.
0: Hey,
1: that's just the start of the conversation. It sounds like you had something to uh, follow up with Dave. Go ahead. Your mic is open.
12: No, I was I was just um, you know what Scotty said is is so pointed and it comes from someone that has a thorough ed- education uh, in that overall field of media, and, and so you know I I take Scotty's uh, uh, word first because to me he's the the expert of that and just just to to add some things uh, to this is that Byron actually did win out of California at the ninth, uh Court of Appeal twice, and so it's Comcast and, and their appealing to the Supreme Court. But I agree with, with Scotty on, and how he laid everything out. The thing for me, for me personally, the thing that I want to bring notice to, in and in Scotty carried, Scotty was the person that gave me a shove. So, my loyalty and allegiance to Scotty is infinite. And Scotty is one of the few individuals that is actually creating and, as he said, empowering our community. And Scotty doesn't have the exposure that is necessary nor is does he have the overall uh, uh position and capacity that our community has been saying that they want see just to say that you want something means nothing you have to have to put you have to put energy and, and dedication and commitment behind it and if we don't build we won't have. If we don't change, we get what we've been getting. And Scotty is a great example of that. This is the person that we should be supporting because he's proven where his overall moral
0: convictions lie. I want to say this about what Byron Allen case? I don't... Byron Allen is
12: immaterial to me as the individual. Okay? The thing that Byron Allen said was he quoted the Civil Rights Act of 1866. And there are different variations of the Civil Rights Act. But the Civil Rights Act of 1866 is very significant and very important from this standpoint. It shows the evil intentions of those that penned the Civil Rights Act. In my opinion, the worst thing that we can do is rely on the devil. And when I say the devil, I'm not talking about, well, let me put it this way. The best, the worst thing that we can do as a community is to allow an unethical system to write our overall code of conduct in ethical behavior. What will be penned? What they will write is what is in the system's best interest, and it's to steal yours. And the Civil Rights Act of 1866 ratifies that, and... Defines it and states it in the statement of equal rights of the Civil Rights Act that was actually also modified in 1981 from the 1866 one. It says there, and we talked about this, I talked about this before, inside of that, it says exactions of, of every kind. In the legal word of exactions, means that it is a willful wrong. Basically, the Civil Rights Act legalizes the government to do a willful wrong to you. The legal dictionaries of 1866 has actually gave the legal definition of what an exaction is. And what it says is, let me read it to you real quickly. Hopefully, let me. I can pull this up real quick, because the intentions is always revealed. You know the old saying, "The devil is in the details," and then in these details,
0: it tells you everything. And I, I should have pulled this up. I'm sorry, I wasn't. Give me one second. But my overall, while I'm doing that. My thing is that we shouldn't
12: be relying on that corporation and that institution that saw it morally correct to subjugate and enslave people to all of a sudden establish the ethical behavior or the rights the rights that they'll give you now, because that's exactly what it is. If you allow them to do that, what they're going to do is they're going to kill you with experience. So the legal definition from 1856, adapted, a law dictionary adapted to the constitution and laws of the United States Published in 1856, the word exactions, exactions, is a tort. Okay, misdemeanor and a felony, there's a tort, it's civil. Okay, it's a tort, a willful wrong done by an officer or by one who, under the color of, of his office, takes more fee or pay for his services than what the law allows. Between extortion and exaction, there is this difference that in the former case of the officer extorts more than his due. When something is due to him in the latter, meaning exactions, he exacts what is not due to him when there is nothing due or owed to him. That's what the word exactions mean. And in the Civil Rights Act of 1866, under the Equal rights under the law, statements of equal rights, it says all persons within the jurisdictions of the United States shall, and this is the actual 1866 version, have the right to, excuse me, all persons within the jurisdictions of the United States shall have the same rights in every state and territory to make an enforced contracts. that's what Scotty was talking about, to sue, be party, give evidence, and to full and equitable benefit of all laws, proceedings for the security of persons and property as enjoyed by white citizens and shall be subject to like punishments, pains, penalties, taxes, and licenses and exactions of every kind. So, what did they just say? They're saying that we're going to get pain, punishment, taxes, and licenses, and licenses, they do that for regulations because regulations. The the legal word for regulations is to fix established control. What do you think that they are fixing to establish control for? They're fixing to establish control over resources that you need to survive so that you'll be a subjugate of theirs. And exactions of every kind and to no other. So what is exactions of every kind? They can have a a willful wrong to take what is not owed or due when nothing is owed or due. So they can take what they want from you. This is what they put there for a reason. And it was
0: actually in 1981, this was actually amended, and they
12: didn't take exactions out. One of the things about this system, that slavery never ended. What they did was they cloaked it and they got people to buy into it in different strategies and schemes, policies, and procedures. So what they did is they told you what slavery was so that you would have their definition not realizing what is really enslavement enslavement is when you will capture someone and you take their energy for your overall benefit.
0: As in taxes. That's what And taxes,
13: it does that.
0: Taxes, if, if, one Dave, of the things. If,
13: what... Dave, if you go back to the, just, just imagine that we was one of those individuals when, when these bills was passed. Now we did know that during this same period that even though these were, this was put into law, that their rights were still being denied to them. And the only right, right in that field that was being enforced is to pay taxes. So we're right. going to take black people, we're going to take your taxes and we're going to take it over here. We ain't going to build, you no know, new school or nothing like that. We're going to take your taxes. We're going to build up our stuff. And we're going to tell you, you can't even use it. That's what was going on. So why the bill yeah. said, oh, you got civil rights and everybody's equal. Well, it, what good is you saying that if you're not going to live by that? And the only part you're enforcing is taxing me. So that's what was going on, man. And, and so yeah. uh, um, another uh, synopsis of the uh, Civil Rights Act of 1866. Okay. I went, I, I went and looked at it. I said, how did the Civil Rights Act of 1866 help freedmen? That's what they call called ex-victims of slavery at the time. Uh Congress passed the Civil Rights Bill to protect the ex-slaves, although I don't like calling people slaves because that's a dehumanizing term. But it says the Civil Rights Act of 1866 provided that cases concerning the civil rights of the freedmen should be heard in the U.S. courts instead of in the state courts. It also increased animosity between the president and the Republicans in Congress. Because remember, this bill was passed by Congress and vetoed by Johnson, and then they overrode his veto. So that's how, how it became law. So if he loses his case, that doesn't mean that we'll no longer be nope. able to take case to federal court. You see what I'm saying? There's a lot of disinformation yep. that I'm reading concerning this, but I do, you know, when Dave first started introducing this concept to me, I really didn't get it at the time, um, but I kind of get it more now. And I also accept that there's different forms of enslavement and not just physical enslavement, although that's going on, you know, that's what the prisons is for and what have you. So it's like, it, you know, it's like it we're subjected to all of this except for the protections at that time. And so, again, it's a crapshoot if you go to court today. You may win, you may not win. But I don't think that it's going to be some dire consequence if he loses his case like like it seemed like he's trying to put out there. But, again, most of the things that they do to us is tax us and use it to build up their stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I'm not saying that I'm not taking a position that, well, they ain't discriminating against him because I don't know that. If if they told right. him we can't take your channels because of of capacity issues, but they were taking on other channels and he can prove they ain't take his because he's black, then, you know, it's a good chance he might win his case. But I'm sitting here. I'm not tr- trying to fight to be a part of the big six media corporations that's controlling our minds with misinformation. Exactly attracting us with entertainment. I'm trying to build in terms of radio. He's in cable television. I'm in radio. I'm trying to build a network for the people, by the people. Okay? And and so that's the difference between what what Black Talk Radio Network is trying to do as opposed to what Byron Allen's trying to do. You, You know,
12: we would be remiss to say this if we didn't bring out this point. How powerful, and Scotty, you know how powerful this is. Jenna and, and Raj, you do too. How powerful is the overall influence of the media? Scotty always talked about how Malcolm always talked about that. They're exactly right. The the media airwaves are sacred to them. You do not get positioned to speak out against their establishment on their platform if you're going to be you if you're going to use their platform then they're going to dictate to you what your overall content will contain and it will
13: be a subjugation
12: and enslavement mentality
13: what what type of programming do you usually see on cable Dave? for black people that's targeting black people They say they are targeting black people, you know, specifically we're making content for African-Americans or black people. What type of content is that? That
12: content is the stereotypical content. And it's a derogatory contact to our overall advancement. All of it is, It's no black talk radio network. It's, it's, It's not this platform. It's not platforms that do any. It's all
0: about low-frequency debasement.
12: And all of it, and the thing about it's an extension of the schooling system. They tell you how to act. They tell you you have to be a fan, a fanatic of this team or that team. They tell you you have to do this. They tell you that you have to pay taxes. They tell you you need to – the code of conduct is this way and that way. Let's basically say it. We've relinquished ourselves to always waiting for master to tell us
0: when we can go, when we can participate for their agenda.
12: Those individuals that make the overall choice and to, to think on their own, to establish a sovereign path, the system attacks them by this way. They send their overall low-frequency minions to dismantle them. And what I mean by that is that the very people that you're trying to help will be the ones that say, we don't need you. That We don't need that stuff. We don't want that. We don't. And it is a, it is a mental illness that we haven't been able to cure ourselves from because we continue to go to the pharmacy of destruction, their platform, and their platforms are all low
13: frequency platforms right right that, that that's my main point though, is that now I looked at all the content he then produced, and I'm like, okay, court t- he got several court TV shows. what does that do?" that gives that that legitimizes the yep, the court wick, system which yes. that we know ain't for us it it turns it into entertainment and and we're going to watch people argue their cases and what have you. you know that's entertainment but it's also legitimizing your view of the courts and what have yes. you which given I them say authority a, into modern day slavery is the courts you know? Right. It upholds it see. upholds their
12: authority, Scotty. It. it upholds their authority.
13: And then the other show, who wants to date a comic? I mean, what's that, man? What's that about? You know, uh, some kind of service for comedians to find dates or something. I I don't know what that what that is? what about car TV. You know, in this entertainment stuff, getting us looking at the lives of the rich and famous so that so that we, you know, will be wanting to buy all those types of things that they waste their money on, you know, because uh, um, they got the money to waste or, or the currency to waste. I got to remember Dave on the line. <laughs> OK, so. Uh, <laughs> so I'm. A, but then also, I got to look at it as a platform manager. Okay, I was going to say owner, but I don't really own Black Talk Radio. Yes, I created it. Yes, I founded it, but it's under the control of a nonprofit that uh Black Talk Media Project that was set up for the people. Okay. My man,
12: I hope y'all caught what Scotty said. I don't own it. It's a nonprofit that controls it. I hope
13: y'all caught it. Those J's. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So, but listen though. Now, this is why I stopped offering service to the public because I was thinking ahead. I was thinking about the laws, you know, what, what if, when, what if, what if, uh, what's his name? Alex Jones. Now I used to like Alex Jones stuff back in uh, late 90, early 2000 when he was predicting 9-11 and stuff like that. But he got away from that and he started producing race porn. What is race porn? Race porn. It focuses a lot on race and racism topics, but not in a constructive manner, okay, in, in a manner to get people into their emotions and then wanting to fight the other people, you know, that whatever yep. the, the media says the enemy is and what have you. But let's say when Alex Jones got kicked off of Twitter, got kicked off of Facebook, got kicked off of Al, uh, uh, Apple, you know, cause it wouldn't distribute his show anymore. And it was some people who were saying, you know what, I don't like Alex Jones, but I support his right to freedom of speech. I'm like, first of all, these are privately owned platforms, and you don't have a right to free speech. That's not the public square. That that applies nope. to the government. Shall make no no you know uh, laws yep. for, right and, right to on. Not a private company. You just can't come on. I can't go to Dave's house and set up on his lawn and just be you know, shouting whatever I want to shout at all times of the day and night, and they have a right to come out and kick me off this property. You know what I'm saying? So think of of Public Square in in that way. These are private platforms. So I quit offering services to the public because not just because of people like Alex Jones might try to come to me and want me to distribute his content, but then there were Black people who I kicked off because their con their content was was not constructive it was promoting confusion and conflict among black people among our people and so you know i was looking at it from the aspect of a platform creator and manager and i'm like wait a minute wait i don't have to take on somebody else's content if i feel like it ain't it ain't constructive for my audience if i don't think it's going to help my audience why should i be forced to carry somebody else's programming—that's basically what what Ali's, uh, uh excuse me, Byron Allen is saying. The Comcast trying to force them to carry his content. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm in a unique po- uh, position, and I have a somewhat different perspective as one right. who has built a platform, manages a platform, and distributes content. I shouldn't be forced to just take. That'd be like some white person suing me in court, saying I'm discriminating against the caucasian race because i won't bring alex jones on right it's not as simple as what what some people are trying to make it out to be and there's different sides to this but i'm all for look i interviewed this black woman a long time ago and i've been thinking about her but they had an invention i think it was called g5 It's in the archives but i can't remember her name i can't remember the 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 uh invention that they made they made an invention to where you just hook it to your box, your digital box, you know, the digital box for the TV since they went digital. And then that, you don't even have to hook up cable. It worked like, I I can't tell you exact details. It's been so long. But what they were doing, this is with Black people creating something similar to the cable networks, except for it didn't use cable. It, It worked off of the existing infrastructure that's already there, but you just had to hook this device and then you're pulling in content from their network. And I was like, you know, I, I was like, wow, if I had, had the money of a Byron <laughs> Allen or some of these other business moguls, you know, uh Magic Johnson, I think, was in the entertainment business with the movie theaters. You look at what Tyler Perry's doing. Yeah. And even though I don't really like Tyler Perry's type of, of movies and stuff. I do respect that he built his own studio and yes. he, he built it in the black community. And, you know, he just got to figure out the distribution. You know what I'm saying? And and so this is us building our own infrastructure, not begging them to give us access to their stuff. We need to be focused right. on actually breaking those big their monopolies up that they have on the infrastructure. And so that we can be our own creators and 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 the masters of the information is going out to yep. people who look like us.
12: Which is so important. It's and that information creates dialogue and it creates the thought process. What you think you say, what you say you do, and what you do becomes your habit. This is one of the You know, in today's media platforms, I believe the system and the establishment realizes it's a way to cast a spell on people, because it is. But we should be promoting things that actually cause for individual talents and ability to be uh, nurtured into full maturity,
0: not subjugating them. And this is the difference between, but
12: they made the poison, poison is always sweet. They made the poison always sweet and appealing for everyone's consumption. And this is where we don't become creators of our destiny We allow someone to pave the path to our destruction that we follow. And this is our choice. And, you know, one of the things about this is that we've moved so far past being able to create for ourselves that a lot of that intellectual education has been lost. And because it's been lost and hasn't been passed down as an inheritance, we don't even know how to survive in that type of environment so much. There are individuals among us that have our talents, you know, those talents are so strong, they can do it. But collectively, the only thing that we've been actually taught is to obey. We've never been taught to think on our own. We've taught to walk in line. We taught we've been taught that this is the process that you have to follow. This is the path that's laid from you. From very birth, the cap the the, the overall captive hands start to grab. And the grabbing comes from our parents, from what they teach us from what they've been taught. If you've been taught wrong, you're going to teach that what is wrong. So we need platforms. And we don't have to, as Scotty said, the key is I don't want to ask them for anything. I want to remove myself from everything by them. But it's a process to doing that because the sooner we do that, we're going to make some headway and we're going to find some shortcomings, some obstacles, and we're going to have some losses. Before you can become a champion, you have to first learn how to lose.
0: Hey,
1: uh, <laughs> speaking of that, Dave, I want to uh, add one of our more uh some he just called in. Brother Hayes, how you doing this evening? He got a question for you on this Iran uh, topic. Yes, sir.
0: With us, Hayes.
7: Good evening, y'all. I had to turn down please, my please. Uh, my speaker so I didn't get no feedback. So Thank I can't you. hear y'all. But um, I know I'm a little older than y'all. So let's just say, let's let's just play out that if the United States and Israel does play out this, this faux war on Iran. I remember when my grandfather, when I was young, my grandfather said when that Iran and I, that Iraq war broke out during the 80s. The reason why we took Saddam's side is because we wanted to pick the lesser of two evils. But I was a little kid then, and I vividly remember the Ayatollah Khomeini saying, if you ever attack Iran, you don't have to worry about us coming over there. We're already here. Now, mind you, I'm 35 clicks away from Dearborn, Michigan, which was built by Henry Ford for white people. Now, my girl's here. Nene, yeah, you remember in uh in the when we went to the parks in Dearborn, what time did we have to leave out of that park? When the streetlights got on, right? This is this is a park. Every nigga had to be out, out of that park. Those whites wanted us out of there. Now we couldn't play in our parks in Detroit because of course all the ribbons were torn down, swings were torn up. Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, Dearborn had nicer stuff. But now, thank Reagan for this. Reagan flooded Dearborn. When the refugees came from that Iran-Iraq war, they flooded Trenton and they flooded Dearborn, Michigan. These are the two biggest uh concentrations of hobby I'm sorry. I I just they say don't say Arab. It's spelled Arab. But I'm I'm tired of people saying it's called Arab. I don't see it spelled A I R R A B. So I say Hobby Dhabi. So I got a friend that said that's all right. So, you know, all these Hobby are here. They are here. Now you can't tell me that the gas that we're buying isn't going to ISIS or affiliates or something like that. So if this country and is it real? is silly enough to start with that. How are you going to protect yourself from a person that's willing to put on a bomb vest or can convert a minivan to take out a city block? You cannot leave these people alone. They have the right to have nuclear arms just like everybody else. And yes, Israel does have Gabriel nuclear weapons because they stole them from us in the 60s. They stole the technology. They didn't steal the bombs. They stole the technology and made them themselves. Yes, they're called Gabriel rockets, ICBMs. That's all I want to say. I'm going to turn, uh, turn on my speaker so I can hear y'all. But they're already here. They're already here. They own your gas stations, they own your Pizza Huts, your Coney Islands. All, all they have to do is be activated. They're in every neighborhood. Here and across this country. Leave these hobby dobbies alone because <laughs> these people can make the Japanese kamikaze look like a little merigir uh merry-go uh pole. It's is not you can't fight these people. They they're mean. <laughs> All right, y'all.
0: But brother Hayes, uh
12: yes, the the, inter- the integration of many people are here in what's called the continental United States, and you are absolutely right about the nuclear capabilities of Israel, which is no one ever, ever attacks Israel for not signing the Non-Perforation Act, but Everybody else that tries to get nukes, there's a problem because it's a measure of control. And the measure of control is by war for people. And it's really a sham all the way around because one thing we have to look at is that when Germany lost the war, Germany didn't die. People that lived in Germany that called themselves Germans, they died but the overall corporation of Germany didn't die. And we have to start looking at why are we allowing people to create right laws that they don't have to obey, create debt that they don't have to pay, and declare wars that they don't have to fight. And until those individuals that are going to be the cannon fighter for that If you don't participate in that, then those that declare war, hey, you got MMA fighting. There's a cage that you two or you three or whoever your groups are, you can get in those cage and duke it out. Because if we continue to allow what has been happening in our past, look at the so-called, look at Look at how veterans are treated. They glamorize and they idolatry the military to get you emotionally charged, to think that it is your duty to fight for an inanimate object. If you watch people at sporting events when they are singing the national anthem, what difference are are they from when we saw the Nazis doing their anthem to their flag? There is no difference.
13: Nope, These people nope. turn
12: it, it, off
0: they,
13: and that's what? the real issue with they have with Kaepernick. It ain't cause Kaepernick was calling out police for murdering black people. Okay, because you know, people do that all they do that on, on the news, you know what I'm saying? Right. That wasn't the issue. The issue was he wasn't participating in that ritual. And then right. that might get other people to start thinking independently and not participating in yeah. the group think programming. That's really why yeah. they had an issue with him, man, is cause he yeah. he wasn't disrespecting nothing, man. You know what I'm saying? He was taking the knee yeah. or what have you, but what he wasn't doing. Is being a robot and standing up with everybody else. That's what those. That's what that's for. That's programming. Yep. It's a, I call that's it a programming. National...
12: Scotty's absolutely right because if you start getting one person to pull the overall thread string of this of this tightly woven but fragile ideology, one person starts to pull it. It unravels. It unravels.
1: Hold on right there, Dave. Man, I'm really enjoying this. I, <laughs> I wish I could do this more often. <clears throat> but Carla, uh, Alex, uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? What's your question or comment? Hey, hey um, Sorry, it's annoying.
10: i be very brief. But this has been very enlightening. I've listened since we started the conversation. I'm so thankful for the direction of the discussion. Brother Ransky, my question is, you know, with the caller that just mentioned the population in Dearborn, it's true. It's the third largest population in Michigan. So when these different people have their own geographical land base and they can come here too and succeed economically, it's almost like, oh. so my question is, because I always like to say solution-based, because it keeps me invigorated, it keeps me hungry, it keeps me encouraged, what can we do to focus more on culture? so we can have that political mindset, so we can have that economical mindset. Even though we're separated from our homeland, what can we do right now where we are to stay connected to the idea of Pan-Africanism and having our own economic mindset to build the funding that we need to be self-supported? That's my question. So thank you guys for um, what you're doing. This radio show is very important and we are listening
1: thank you. i uh actually have that question. I would like to hear the uh the cultural aspect for you to answer that, Ross, but before you get into that, Dave, can you answer the part about the financial and what we could do right now, especially with the fallout of what's getting ready to happen with this dollar so uh if you will.
12: Uh, You want uh, Rod to go first, Jenna?
1: Uh, It doesn't. It does. I don't. Roz, are you there? I know he ain't useful. Yeah, I'm
11: here. (laughs) It's all good. I have I have myself muted. I was just taking it all in myself. Um, if you want me to go first, I can. You can go first or me. It doesn't matter. What what do you prefer, Dave? Go ahead. uh, Go ahead, Roz. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, I'll start by saying this. Whatever the colonizer does not want you to do as their subjects is exactly what you should be doing. And every leader,
11: you can go from David Tobacco to Patrice Lumumba, um, Malcolm X, uh, Martin Delaney, uh, you could just name them, run, run them all down. Every leader of that had any real major push for a Pan Africanist worldview was assassinated, or they were legally assassinated. <laughs> so either they actually killed you, or they they killed you in a legal way, where they could either put you away, um, or deport you, or whatever the case may be, to get rid of you as a problem for the government.
1: Hey, can I interject? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Just right here. I'm sorry it's all
0: good
1: that goes back to the clip about the um uh, you had the uh suspect talking about the black the black uh militant you know yes Thought he was absolutely right especially in this time you know you don't have to show everybody how tough and what all you got you should be doing that in private uh stacking your ammunition and practicing your aim uh just gonna uh you can continue from there. I just wanted to throw that in, add that clip in for what you was talking about. Oh, no
11: problem. I appreciate that. Um, so these people were people who had a model in which they would liberate themselves where they are, but also maintain a connection to other African people around the world. Now, when you look at how Europeans took over the planet, it was a pan-European agenda. Did they all get along? No. Did they all like each other? Absolutely not. Um, They were genocidal towards each other long before they met us to be genocidal towards us and any other non-white group. But they did, as they traveled the world for the first time, began to understand that they themselves were the global minority. And that if they kept killing each other, white people would cease to exist because they're doing the work. And then they're coming in contact with genetically superior people who can wipe them out just through procreation. So that helped them to put down their beast with each other long enough to coalesce around dominating the rest of the non-white world as we know it. And they were able to do that in very little time. They've had the shortest existence in the history of hominids on the planet, but they've had the most profound effect, lasting effect on the psyche of their non-white subjects globally. And if we, can take a hint from or a page out of the book that they use to dominate us if we could actually listen to the greatest of our people who actually propagated that exact same thing and um the concept of pan africanism pan Africanism is not new; it's a very ancient concept that was lost to us through time and then eventually the um the enslavement experience via the Arabs, which is still ongoing. And started a thousand years before the Europeans and then the European enslavement, and then it was resurrected in the West, but it was so it was so forgotten for so long that it was assumed that it was started in the West, and that's not true so
0: we have to value ourselves above everyone else because we're the ones who
11: need each other to get what we need done done. And I think with the world the way it is, we've been so indoctrinated to see each other as other, especially in the United States. We are so indoctrinated in seeing other, especially other black people, because like I said, a lot of the vitriol that we hear coming from black people is directed strictly at black Americans. I mean, um, not black immigrants, not other groups, not the white groups, not the, not the. sometimes you hear the Hispanics, but not too much. The Asian groups, know, The white groups, know, the, Anybody else doesn't get it, <laughs> except for pretty much the vitro is mainly focused on black immigrants. And we're the only group of people in the country that do that. You don't hear white people saying we don't want any more Europeans coming here because they're taking our jobs or whatever other excuse. You don't hear the, the East Indians do it, the Arabs do it, the Chinese do it. Nobody else does that but us. So it is a unique phenomena to us. And the same thing you see here is what we were seeing in South Africa not too long ago against Nigerians. The main group is Nigerians, but I know some Ethiopians also had some um, bad experiences down in that area. So it's the same mentality, which is not xenophobia. It's self-hatred. Xenophobia means everybody gets it. But in South um, Africa, Ross, like here, only blacks were getting it. Go ahead. Ross. That's got it? Okay. Yo, you okay, ahead, brother.
12: Take
13: taking- back. To answer the sister's question, culturally, what can we do culturally? Well, first, we have to reestablish our culture. If we're talking African, uh, Africans in America, African-American, Black-American, whatever you want to call it, um, our culture has been hijacked. We're, the only thing right. that's associated with our culture today is this drill music, this gangster rap music, and then we don't even control it. It's the rap industry so again Malcolm X said the most powerful entity on the face of the planet is the media because it controls the minds of the masses. So, you know, um, I work with Brother Kwabana out of Gary, Indiana, who runs Clear the Airway Project, who who targets these big six corporations that own the majority of the radio stations that's putting this vile, violent, misogynist content on the airways. He put out a video today where he was talking to these three sisters in New York, and he was like, what, percent, what percentage of the music you listen to call our people niggas? What percentage of the music you listen to today coming on the radio calls our sisters bitches or hoes or talks about raping and date raping and slanging and drugs and stuff like that. So that's not our culture. That, that's, that's a pseudo culture that has been created by white people. Yeah, N-double, NWA might have came up with Gangsta Rap first, but guess who guess who identified them and put them on? A white person. I forget the dude's name, Jerry something, I, I believe. You might know Ross. But, yeah, Jerry you know, Jerry Heller. Jerry Heller. Thank you. Jerry Heller. And you was talking about last week how that one rapper was standing on the table, uh, uh, rapping all this vile yeah. type of mess and stuff surrounded by white people. That's in control. I'll be smarty, of yep. it. Yeah, so it goes back to controlling. To the sister on the cultural question is, i have a vision just in radio uh, um but you know in digital media is we need to be establishing our independent media outlets in our localized areas not just you know targeting not just making media for a national or even a global audience which is what black talk radio network basically is but we I, i need charlotte charlotte wherever there's a high population of us we need to be in control a local media platforms that's making content by us for us and not this other stuff that's controlled by everybody else. That's the cultural piece. And then to me, that even feeds into the economic piece. I cannot agree with you more. Yeah. And it's really
11: supporting it. It's supporting what's important rather than supporting what's not important. Um so What we Like Scotty said, everything that needs to be said, I would just say the main thing is us supporting what's important to us more than anything else and making that uh, something that we start doing from the time our children are born. We cultivate them in that direction um, and just make it a, a family tradition, something that we just start where we are with our children and then they pass it on and so on and so forth. So it becomes pretty much a cultural model um culture is something you pass on from from adult to child and it's supposed to help them uh better survive and function in in the society in which they live so this is one of those things that we can start doing is pretty much making it a family um something that the family does collectively and a part of the actual cultural fabric of each individual family and then we just you know we do what we need to do to continue to support these different um media outlets that actually like like Scotty said creates content by us for us where we can tell our own stories. That's what I was saying. Go ahead um, on you, you were about to speak, right, Jenna.
0: Oh yes. That was
1: I agree with all of y'all on the culture part, but there's an ongoing statement that I continue to make is that we don't have a culture collectively. Scotty mentioned that uh people attribute hip-hop as our culture but like you stated something to help you survive the times we don't have that collectively so my purpose you know since we were talking about the radio show was to be able to uh get these different bits and pieces of information so alex let's say when i say we don't have a culture so the best thing moving forward would be to uh Begin to create your own with your children, your family, and what have you. And like uh, one of the videos that we played about uh, neuropathy, right? So Mm -hmm. they gave out uh, different supplements for you to have. Like, well, uh, we have a lot of issues sometimes, and it could be uh, magnesium deficiency, uh, vitamin D deficiency. I would like to share that so those who find it useful in their life they begin to uh, make that part of their Pacific culture. You know, you start eating a little bit more salmon for your uh, children. Uh, you know, uh, man, there was so many. We done went so long already tonight. I done left some of the, uh, some of the clips, but I wanted to read this off real quick while we have time. And mm-hmm. this was a clip about neuropathy. Uh, To help you with that, you would avoid most refined sugars, uh, try to drink very little alcohol, one of my uh, past issues. High cholesterol, high stress, uncontrolled diabetes, immune uh, problems, and inflammations. Those were things you needed to avoid. Now, as far as uh, helping out, you would want to take a vitamin B complex B6, B12, mm, excuse me, uh, 350 milligrams to 600 milligrams a day of magnesium to try to stay uh, proficient on that. Turmeric, 1,500 milligrams to 2,000 milligrams a day. Vitamin D, uh, 5,000 UIs a day. Fish oil, 3,000 milligrams. All of these help your respiratory your heart, all of all of these type of things that you learn in these clips, those should be part of the things you should move forward with your culture. Your culture for your specific health and your family. That would be my uh that would be my advice on how to move forward with that. But as far as the money part, it will be investing in precious metals, like I was asking brother Dave, because we're moving into a time where a dollar is worth very very little day by day it's constantly being drained so with that said i'll move alongside just to hear y'all brothers once again your mic is open
12: hey jenna let me um she asked about the economics let me me address that real quick and like like scotty and rise and and what jenna said is so important it's it's critical And they all tie together. I think the first place that has to start is the sister said, what can we do? Sister, don't worry about we. I want you to take that W and turn it upside down to me. Because what you do is the most important thing. And then what will happen is that the universe will bring those individuals that you that are of the same frequency as you and you resonate with they will the universe will bring those individuals into your path and then now we can do a we. and economically just like culturally when you look at it as the brother said we don't have a culture the brother said that all of them said that that's so true because we follow fads. We don't have a culture. We follow fads. Same thing in the economically. We don't have an economy, really. What we have is a service-based surrenderance. We give our service in surrenderance to those that pay us nothing in return. So the first thing economically that has to happen is that Education has to kick in that's not schooled, it's education. You have to know the difference between currency and money. You have to know the difference between a bill of credit and money. Let me give you this. A bill of credit is some sort of paper medium which has value for exchange. Let me read it to you, the definition of it. Here's the definition of a bill of credit. A bill of credit is some sort of paper medium by which value is exchanged between the government and individuals. That means the government is exploiting you. Institutions, the government is made up of institutions, not what they told you. And individuals, money is a bill of credit, but a bill of credit need not be money. So what does that mean? This is from legal definition. That means a piece of paper is not money. Money has to have intrinsic value to sustain life, or else it's not money. Best way that I classify it, if man made it, it's currency. If the great creator made it, it's money because it sustains life. And this education The practice, education is the practices that sustain life. Schooling is when you actually regurgitate the obedience that you've been taught by an institution. Big difference. Doesn't sustain your life. So economically, we have to get back to what has value to sustain our lives. That is what we should be exchanging our valuable labor that sustains life for. If we're not doing that, then what we're doing is we're being disenfranchised. You're giving up your priceless energy for a piece of paper that has no value. You're being disenfranchised, disenfranchised, and that means that poverty will always follow your generations. Yes,
13: guys. Day, one of the things that we used to talk about on tando, which kind of speaks to I mean, I, I really don't think somebody reminded me the other day of the dire economic future that's that's being predicted for those inside, you know, the United States and what have you. And so this person was being asked a question about what we should do. And I said, Buy guns and ammo so you can hunt right. and defend what you have. Buy seeds. Right. Or 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 keep seeds, especially if you get heirloom seeds, okay, so you can grow food. Um, You need to control some land with a clean water yep. source. Because you can life can't water. You know what I'm saying? And in a right. way, I kind of look at the trend, even though it's not in real, real large numbers, the trend of black folks leaving the cities and coming back to the South as a positive thing you know because yeah. that's where that's you know when you in a city yeah you can you got some little plots of land that you can start a garden in but look at all those people though and if the system breaks down and the grocery uh store shelves aren't stocked then well you better have be able to defend your little garden or or, or whatever so you know i look <laughs> right. at those things that as money of the future so, if you want to yeah. classify it as sustaining my life is clean yeah. being able to access clean water fishing tackle so i can go fish and feed my family in, in, in case i can't you know go to the grocery store or whatever so those are some of the things that you know i really missed from tando was talking about prepping prepping for for life to be able to sustain your life when everybody else around you is walking around like the walking dead yes yeah, it's
12: and the sister's question was so important because her energy is she knows, and the universe have, is already provided for her, and now it's just you have to act on it. Turn that we to me because Scotty started Black Talk Radio Network, Jenna and Roz started this program, because they said, me, what am I going to do? Because you can't control what anyone else is going to do. But you have full autonomy over your free will. So I would say, please, start there. And you can't, you've
11: already succeeded. I think I would like to talk about, too, is just the, um, the act of self-governance. Um, In Chancellor Williams' Destruction of Black Civilization, he had discussed that self-governance on the continent. You had societies run by a king or a queen, um, and then you had societies that were self-governing, meaning that there was no one person that led anybody. Everybody pretty much uh, coalesced around having a cohesive society that was functional, so everybody had a role to play and just played their role in order to sustain the society for everyone. And those are the that that's something that I think we need to study because even if you listen to Neely Fuller or read his work, he talks what he's talking about when he talks about united independent is self governance. Yeah, you you're a leader of one. You're leading yourself, but you are functioning in a collective sense with people who have the same code as you. So if you start to build a code around us treating each other with uh, Black self-respect, around us supporting each other as far as the different businesses that Black people create, um, us relating to each other in the way in which we see the humanity in each other, um, and all the other things that Neely Fuller and and Dr. Welsing had outlined as far as Uh, No, no uh, name calling other black people, no talking disrespectfully about black people with other non black people um, and all the other things that they talk about, incorporate that as a code and be self governing first of like they said yourself, me, and then be self governing in what you choose to um, contribute to the collective society together as one because we come from a communal people that's we're communal centric people so i think that that is something that will be very important for us to study um on an individual level and then um when we decide to come together to form any sort of um societal group that we function in a way that's self-governing and um and we need to study those things study how our ancestors did it study how they're doing it in um, catalina spain study all the different places in which self-governance was a way of life and take the best out of those things and apply it to us. A lot of our answers is, is is actually in what was taken from us when we were brought here on the slave ships. Like we have a lot of great things that different African societies did as far as organization and self governance that we could learn from, and just combine it with the best of what's happening to you know today that that can work in our favor. And we put those things together to form something new that's that's cohesive, and that everyone can actually um, be a part of. And just the main thing is just being able to, to love what you see in the mirror. So that comes with uh, education, re-educating ourselves as to who and what we are and what we should mean to each other. We've been taught not to hold each other at any value because society doesn't hold us in any value. But if we start to see ourselves in the in that highest form of value, and you look in the mirror and you, and you love what you see rather than hate what you see, um, then that creates a situation where it's easier for you to work with other people and have constructive connections with other people when you make contact with other black folks.
0: So that's what I would say as well. If that makes sense. No, it was yeah it make plenty of sense. I'd try to follow
1: suit with y'all. Uh Ms. Alex, if you uh have time you could respond to some of those answers. Please.
10: Yeah, thank you so much, gentlemen. Everyone did their own um, personal insight, and I like that. Especially to me, so I'm and I have self-economy and self-government. And it's just so overwhelming that sometimes I'm to figure out where I'm at in this, this seems like a never-ending battle, but it's not. And I feel encouraged now because I have a part, and I can focus on what I'm doing. And Brother Raz, you spoke about the universal concept coming to me things were coming to fruition, as long as I'm being real and open and honest and transparent, things do come to me. So I'm just going to mull over this conversation and thank you to Scotty for, for the perspective in regards to the uh, 1866 Civil Rights Act. I mean, this has been a wonderful program. Even earlier, listening to the nutrition reports in regards to walnuts and uh, sweet potatoes, and it's just, it's just a lot of information. So thank you guys so much.
11: Oh, thank you. I really appreciate your input too um much just love as and for perspective. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Go ahead Dave, you were going to say
12: something else? No, 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 no. No. I
11: was just okay, saying okay. much
12: love and respect to Alex. She she she, yeah. she she really has a firm grip of uh of of everything. And we really have to trust that with 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 everything that we engage in. We have to learn to really trust ourselves uh in spite of our flaws.
0: It's our intentions. That's everything.
1: Yes. Man, it has been some time. It's been some time. I know I asked y'all a lot of specific questions. We didn't go over almost none of the clips tonight, but just to have y'all two on here together, I just wanted to uh, sit back and enjoy that. Uh, Yeah. And I appreciate it. I guess... We we may go over a few of these clips once again uh, and kind of go in detail on them. But yeah, like uh, Alex, like everybody said, I've been saying this for quite some time and I actually got talked about a little bit when I first said it, but we have no culture. I think when we recognize that, then we can start putting stuff into the people that's following behind us. And that'll be the best way like Dave said is for us to do something which I particularly I'm doing that to produce a better world or at least my vision of what the world should be through two, three, five, (laughs) however many children you're putting out there. So.
11: I wanted to um, add something to that lack of culture, um, aspect that you were talking about. I think that's, um, really, really important. Um, Oh go ahead. Right.
13: Give a definition of culture. Yes, please. Absolutely. All right. I'm I'm going to get there. Culture is a noun. The word is a noun. Okay. And I'm looking at two different definitions but they're related. So, culture is the arts and other manifestations of human intellectual achievement regarded collectively. So, so that when I'm talking about what Dave was, when Dave talks about higher frequencies and lower frequencies, some of this stuff that's based in lower frequencies is not really culture. Okay. It's, it's not high intellectual achievement. Okay. Then it's also the customs, arts, social institutions. Okay. Black Talk Media Project is a social institution. Uh, and achievements of a particular nation, pe- people, or other social group. So I, I, I think it's um, for me. It helps me to understand the definitions of these words. You know, in, in 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 when we say you know something's culture, but is it really though? Is it really culture? <laughs>
0: you are yeah. right,
1: and uh, and that's part of the reason why I started making the uh making it notice that we don't have one because like you said, the definition makes a, when you learn what it is, it changes your perspective. And when I tell people that hip hop isn't our culture, a lot of people get upset about that. I believe you've experienced some of that yourself, Scotty. So yes, just to, to understand the definitions of the words to make sure that we all are talking about the same thing is always important.
11: Yeah, because if you really know understand hip hop, hip hop is what's considered a subculture, and beyond it being a subculture, as far as I'm concerned, it's infected. It's it's been weaponized, so it's pretty much infected with a virus. That virus is white supremacy. So the way that it is expressed today, as far as what the world gets, because you have actual pe- people who utilize hip hop in the way it was originally created, which was to you know stop gang violence and um, facilitate peace in areas, of low-income areas around the country. There, So there are some people who live by those tenants, but the majority of what the masses have access to is the weaponized, infected form of it. So it isn't a culture in that regard. And if you also look at culture, um, and I've heard this discussed on a, a nature program before, they didn't say it the way I say it, but they, um, I describe culture and it falls in line with what's being discussed because when you look at all of those cultural institutions and things those things are geared towards setting up human beings for the for the best experience in in their particular lifetime It's supposed to help them in some way of way sh- shape or form survive into the future and for me culture is pretty much the ability for adults of whatever species to provide life-saving information to their offspring about how to function in the world and atmosphere in which that they, they are born in and live in. And if you look at black people, we don't prepare our children for what they're going to face. A lot of our children fall in line. They say, they say the Pledge of Allegiance, which is pretty much a spell. That's why they start it when you're really, really young. And they say it in the form of a rhyme because it's easy and it sticks. And as you get older, they try to infuse you with the patriotism that goes along with saying that Pledge of Allegiance every day. So, um, you know, we don't teach our children what they're going to face. A lot of us don't talk to our children about um, the danger of uh, contacting law enforcement. We teach them to like the police. Um, We teach them, we we don't teach them things that are going to help them understand what they're facing and how to best navigate that world. And that, to me, is a culture. When we start collectively having conversations with our offspring about what they're going to really face and not to terrify them, but to actually educate them so that when they come into these situations, which if they're, you know, a black child, they're guaranteed to come into it at some point in their existence. They know how not to panic and how to navigate that successfully so they can survive the moment. And then if there's anything to be dealt with in the courts later, they've survived the moment so their parents could help them down the road. Right. We don't teach our children that. And that's just an example. Go ahead,
1: Jenna. Killing white ladies too now, so.
11: Yeah, that one of the clips was the um, the white female who <laughs> encountered a black cop, and she was calling him all kind of niggas, and she had a pair of scissors in her hands, and he was telling her you know, to back down, and she thought that her white skin was a bulletproof vest, and he put two in her chest, and she didn't die there, but she died in the hospital, and it was all about her being pretty much a racist, and the crazy part is her relatives are saying what a lot of black families whose relatives have been killed are saying. We we don't think he should have done that. The force was excessive. He could have done something else so that he didn't actually have to kill her. He actually warned her. He warned her. It's very few black people. Most black people are killed running away from police and they're unarmed. She was coming towards him and calling them all kind of things. You're gonna have to shoot me, nigga. That's what she was saying. If you were listening to what she said, and then you know she 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 pushed him to the and tried to get up on him with the scissors, and he shot her twice in the chest, and that was that. So. That goes along also with the title of tonight's
0: program, um, dealing with the, uh, the 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 toxic
11: nature of the colonizer's worldview. So it's not just dangerous to the people who are victimized by white supremacy, but it's also dangerous to white people too because she thought she could run over a, a, like her whiteness superseded him being an officer of the law and commanding her to put down a potential weapon. And she got herself killed. So these are all things. um, And, and a lot of what we discussed kind of deals with the colonizer's uh, mindset because we've all imbibed it. When you are around a group of people, especially if they're a foreign group of people long enough, you're going to start to assimilate from each other. So uh a lot of the things that are considered to be American culture are actually things that black people created. They just call it American. Um, And then a lot of the things that we put out there today and we might call our culture is white supremacy that we've assimilated from them. And we have anthropomorphized it in the form of ourselves, since they're the ones victimizing us and teaching us to hate ourselves. So that's what I mean when I say, like, if you look at, hip-hop as it is today, it's a weaponized thing where you can go around the world, and no matter where country people are from, they can sing your favorite gangster rapper song. And may not even speak English, but they know every nigga in the song. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we are the face. We have become the global face of our own mistreatment by the things that we're putting out um that we're calling culture, but it's becoming infused in cultures that never had that sort of world view before. So we're we're kind of toxifying other parts of the world with the white supremacy that we brandish under the guise of being rap music. So it's just something to think about. Um were you saying something, Jen? Are you about to say something? I thought I heard something, I might be wrong. I've just been
1: enjoying the night. It's it's been quite some time, so like I said, I'm just sitting back and I didn't know we was gonna get Dave for this long, so I just been yeah, me and we'd be very
0: thankful for that.
1: It's Scotty been. It is getting late though. I'ma uh <laughs> we're gonna go on and wrap it up. But I believe that well, i let them handle that. I'm not gonna Yeah. I enjoyed tonight. Thank both of y'all for coming on and speaking on uh Several different issues. I hope that everybody yeah. was attentive uh, to the conversation tonight. Play it, take notes, because a lot of this stuff will help you get prepared for the for things that are coming. Uh, Brother, rise if you will. Yes. Us, um, take us out of here. Absolutely. Before we close out, um,
11: there was a video we played on unclogging your arteries. And these are some of the foods that they listed that can help you um, unclog your arteries and and basically help your entire uh, body. But this one was specifically entitled um, Unclogging Your Arteries. You you can eat these foods. There's brown rice. Um, I actually eat Thai black rice, which is even better than brown rice. Um, And it also has a low glycemic index, which which means that it's um, something that even people that are diabetic can eat and not worry about having the sugar spike or whatever the case may be, Uh, chickpeas, cinnamon, whole eggs, flaxseed, and that's used to flush our arteries, lower your blood pressure, Um, ginger, grapefruits, green tea, kale, oatmeal, olive oil, oranges, pistachios, pomegranates, potatoes, pumpkin seeds, sardines, sesame oil, spinach, sunflower seeds, tomatoes, turmeric, um, especially with high curcumin, um, which is the active ingredient in turmeric, walnuts, Yogurt and cherries, so that's what I was able to write down from that particular uh, clip. So I just wanted to toss that out there for everyone as well. So uh, we're about to get ready to close close out. Dave or Brother Scotty, did you have any last comments before we we shut everything move to close out tonight?
13: No, um, I. Uh, no. Go so ahead, good Scottie. to hear Dave's voice again, man. Miss you. Agreed. agree. Yeah, miss the <laughs> man, alive, brother.
12: I, I miss you, Scotty. I need to. Uh, actually, uh, get with you and and do a a couple of shows uh, because it's it's just too much this that's happening. And much love, much respect. Uh, you you've been such a you have you know gave me my the, the first opportunity on radio. And Jenna and Roz were were there every step of the way. So you all are family for sure.
11: Thank you brother Dave, back at you. you what you were
1: saying, Jenna? No, nah, I'm I'm just I'm just soaking it in myself. I'm just enjoying the show. It's been a good one. Me too, me too. Thanks to
11: everyone for spending this Tuesday evening with us. Um thanks to Brother Scotty, Brother Dave, uh, for all of your insight and wisdom. Looking forward to the programs you do with Brother Scotty as well. I know those are gonna be super, super insightful and I'm quite excited for that. So keep me posted on the developments with that. Thanks to Brother Hayes for chiming in with your comments. Um and questions as well and also to Sister Alex as well. Great, great commentary and great questions. And um thanks for expanding the conversation and giving us uh further perspective and, and different angles of tackling ver- some very important topics. So I'm really, really glad you were able to chime in tonight. Thanks to all the other callers and listeners and to those who um will be listening to the podcast later. Thank you as well. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. So we'll uh, say the prayer now and close out. Creator, we ask that you help us to remain patient with other Black people. Victims of white supremacy, we ask that you help us to remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of Black self-respect at all times and all places, each and every time that we are in contact with another Black person. It has been time. Let's replace white supremacy with justice ASAP, and let's also end the prison industrial complex and human trafficking as well. I am in the love of the all, and all love is in me. I am a part of the all, and the all is a part of me. I am one with the all, and the all is one with me. I can't succeed as a part of the all and fail as an individual. I can be all that I wish in the all, as long as my wish is to stay in the all. I am never alone. The all is, I am. The all can, I can. The all does, I do. Once again, thanks to each and every one of you for spending your Tuesday evening with us. Stay safe and out of the hands of those slave catchers. Until next week, Uh basic thing to do is buckle your seatbelt so they have no reason to pull you over. Um, that's uh, just one step you can take and um, minimize contact and minimize conflict with other black people. Please stay safe until next week. Uh, Creator Willow will be able to be back here next week, Tuesday, 9 p.m. sharp. Same place, same time. Thanks again to you, Brother Scotty and Brother Dave. We greatly appreciate and love both of you. And um, we'll see everyone again next week. Peace and love and one love to you all. Uhuru and Ubuntu.
0: That boy is good. Mm -hmm. Hey, thank you. Have a great night. Peace. Peace.